Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Kari. I'm your host, Kari Filer. In today's episode, I'm talking with Justin Holliday. He's an aerospace contract administrator, and although we aren't technically related, we grew up as cousins, and I love him as such. We talk about human relationships with aliens, the January 6th insurrection, universal basic income, the intrinsic value of human life, the future of democracy, minimum wage versus living wage, artificial intelligence, artificial general intelligence, life after Trump, automated driving, and other topics. I hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's it. I think we're good to go. How are you, Justin? I'm doing, um, you know, as good as anybody can do in January of 2021. It's, it's really, I'm, uh, I'm all right, man. I'm, um, I'm living. Hopefully you're doing the same. Yeah, yeah, getting by, getting by. Um, have you, are you still with, now I know you were in defense. Are you still? Um, kind of. So I, I bridged the gap a little bit. I was, um, I was at Raytheon, so the defense, and now I'm in, um, I, I'm still working in aerospace, but I'm with uh, Virgin Orbit. Okay. We're a rocket company and we're sending small sets into space. And we just uh, ironically had a successful launch earlier um, this month. Oh, no way. Awesome. I, yeah, it was our you're, first one. It you're in satellites? That's crazy. That's crazy good. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited because um, the, the thing that our, our little niche is that we launch from a 747. So we're, we're really revitalizing everything that uh, or the way that it's done in general. So now um, we, we load our rocket onto the 747, fly out over the ocean and we can fly really at any time to any place, hmm. which not uh, not even, you know, like SpaceX or anybody. They can't really say the same thing because they have to launch from the ground from a specific spot. We can go anywhere you need us to. So it's it's pretty interesting. It's pretty crazy. Hmm. That's terrific, man. What uh, what services do your satellites provide? Um, so so we just um we just do the launch, but we um will launch anybody that has like a, a CubeSat size. Okay. And so um on this first launch, we launched a bunch of NASA um, what is it? Research satellites. They were for various things. Um, it was ten satellites in total. Mm. Um, anything from like trying to look at weather patterns to um just getting like a a, a network infrastructure for um for some experiment that they were doing things mm. like that what do you do for the company so um interestingly you know I'm, I'm a rocket scientist myself no i'm just kidding i'm i do uh contracts i'm a contracts administrator so um i help to write manage make sure that the contracts are in place that everybody mm. has everything that they need and um stuff like that <laughs> very yeah. uh and you very- like it it's rewarding it is now i didn't like it at um i didn't like it at raytheon so much um because I never expected to be in this in this role, you know. Mm. I, I graduated with business management, which I didn't even I didn't care about being in business either. I was just like, oh, let me do something that can get me some money, and I don't have to worry about it too much. Mm. And um, this was the the first job offer I got. Um, the guy was like, oh, you you kind of know about uh, about writing documents. How about you become a contracts administrator? And I was like, sure, whatever. I'll I'll take a job at this point. Because it was right at the recession in two thousand ten. Okay. So I was I was looking for anything. I was I literally switched from. Uh, Toys R Us to working for Raytheon. So it was interesting. But Raytheon is just a it's a weird like being in defense made me feel awkward. The the group we were with made missiles and things, uh, tools of war. So it was like it was odd. I like I like the idea of it, but I didn't like uh, the end use of it, the end result. And I remember I remember having that conversation with you outside of I think it was I think it was when Lance passed the bar. We had a dinner. And I think yep, it was exactly. outside of there. Where me and you talked in the parking lot for what was must have been about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you didn't like it. You didn't like that, you know, at the end of the day, you were helping p- 
people kill other people to to put it in the, in that phrase. Exactly, and um, and that was made really real at one point while I was over there. They showed us a video, um, you know, with um, with all the wars that we're involved in. They showed some of the rebels in a country. I don't remember if it was um, Syria or something, hmm. but they were literally using the the rockets that we created. Somebody had sold them illegally, and um, the the project manager that I was working with uh, was like he he was watching the news and he saw that they were using it in a video, and he was like, "Hey, check it out. We're being we're famous for the wrong reasons." Jeez, like, oh, Louise. Man, this is terrible. Wow. Yeah, no, I and you know that that doesn't match your personality. Uh, that's quite the opposite of your personality. I would think. I would. Yeah. I would argue. Actually, I would argue that. No, you're absolutely right. It's um, it was it was kind of sad, you know. Like I, I was just willing to take a job, but it's mm. it's really not. It wasn't a place for me at all. And so, in extreme contrast, that's how I um I ended up where I'm at now. This place is um, it's a Virgin company, so you know, like Virgin Atlantic. Virgin, um, Virgin America. All Is that, that ticker symbol SPCE? Uh, no, that's uh, that's Virgin Galactic actually. Oh, so okay. there's two space companies that they have, and we do the um, we just do the rocket launching. They do sending people in space, which is also cool. I mean, I'm not, you know, uh, they're, they're they're cool already, and their their stock is public, and everybody knows about them. So every time that they do something, they're like, "Oh, is, are you buying stock for them?" I'm like, actually, that's the other company. <laughs> it's a, it's an easy mistake, you know, one of two words. <laughs> I'm used to it now. No, that's great, man. That's great. Uh, I mean, so would you what what got you interested in or what's what excites you most about putting stuff in this space? I mean, that I can imagine what will make a lot of people excited about that. But what makes you excited about it? Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, it's funny, man. So like I was looking for a job and um, I'm, I'm always worried about it because I have all this experience in contracts administration and aerospace. And it's like kind of limit you to being in exactly that. So I was looking mm. for all the all the same kinds of things and getting this courage. And then I saw that they were making this company. And the thing that that drew me to it, and, I, and I'm still excited about it, even to this day, is that their their motto, their their catchphrase is space for everyone. And what they meant by that is that um, you know, like, like I was kind of describing earlier, if you try to launch with somebody like SpaceX or, um, or Rocket Lab or anybody else that launches from the ground, uh, you're really limited. They can mm. only launch every so often. And so the, the demand is high. Lots of people are making satellites because they're smaller now, but the supply is low. It's, it's just hard to get up there. You can only launch like three times a year or something mm. like that. Virgin's goal is to get as many satellites up into space as possible. If you have a, if you have a, you know, a dollar and a satellite and a dream, we can... Uh, you know, for a little bit more money than a dollar, get you up there. And that that was um, liberating because it just opened up the market to everybody. Like I said, the first thing that we were doing was research experiments for NASA kids. Hmm. And, um, and, you know, they, they would not have the opportunity to do this because it's just prohibitively expensive. And um, and the research timelines, they, they only last for like a couple of years. So by the time if you're waiting in line to get used on a rocket, you just don't have the opportunity. So hmm. we can help all these people get up there. Scientists, um, you know, anybody, anybody that um, that pays. Um and, and it's cheaper for us because we can do it so much and our rockets are smaller and we're halfway up there. So we spend less on rocket fuel. So it was just it was amazing and inspiring to hear that we could help so many people. And I was just taken from it. It was it was awesome. <laughs> do you think we're going to be interplanetary within our lifetimes? Mine and yours. Do you think we'll see people living people or yeah, people living on Mars? Oh, man, I, I hope so. I, I, I was so caught up when. um I don't even remember what the company was, but I remember when they were talking, this one company was talking about sending people to Mars and it was like a lottery system. One of my best friends, he actually applied for it. He was all gung ho about it. Mm. Um, that's been a dream of mine, even just to get back to the moon, uh, you know, um, being interplanetary, being anywhere but Earth, just because we can, because we're humans and we can accomplish something like that would be amazing. So I'm looking forward to it. 
Elon Musk keeps talking about having people on a colony in 2030. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's do it, man. Uh, you know, I think so. Here's here's my running idea. I think we're creating something that's bigger than we can comprehend. So when you think about what a cell does, right? Let's t- let's talk about a red blood cell. So a red blood cell wakes up to use that language in a a bone somewhere. It doesn't know where it is, but it wakes up in this bone. He goes, oh, what is this? And it gets shoved out of the bone and it bumps up against a bunch of other red blood cells and it goes, oh, look. And then it gets oxidized and deoxidized and it's moving around in the veins and it spends its life essentially hypnotized as a red blood cell surrounded by red blood cells. And then it dies. A red blood cell has no concept of a human being. It can't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it can't do it. It's not in its frame of reference, but from its perspective, it wakes up, lives this, from its perspective, subjectively amazing life, uh, in super engaged life, and then it dies. Uh, and all that is in the process of some bigger thing that it's a part of that it doesn't even know that it's a part of that it can't even conceive of. Uh, and I think we're doing the same thing. I think by human beings waking up and then engaging in exactly that thing that they find most rewarding. That's our best way to participate in the construction of the greater thing that we're all a part of that we can't actually comprehend. Uh, And I think being interplanetary, building a Dyson sphere, I think all that, all those lines of thinking are pushing us to that end. So I'm excited for your position and your career and and all of our fates (laughs) in the same breath. Likewise, man. Exactly. You know, we're, we're so, we're so caught up in, in everything about what the universe is and we're just trying to explore whatever we can. And it's mm-hmm. amazing because we, we literally don't know. The, 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 it's it's outrageously large as, mm-hmm. as far as we're concerned, infinite. So you're absolutely like, oh, what if this is just part of a system that we can't even begin to imagine? <laughs> yep. um, and, you know, just um, proliferation and getting out there and doing whatever that we can. Of course, that kind of could put humans as a, at a virus that just expands and continually um, expands into whatever. But that, that's another story. I don't care. Right now where we are, I'm happy to expand. I'm happy to get out there. I'm happy to see what the universe has in store for us yeah i think we're a fungus i think uh i think a good way to describe us is is as a fungus um call it call us an invasive species sure Uh, so i like (laughs) to imagine that some set of intelligent teenage uh extra galactic aliens have set up an experiment where they've got some magic dust and they go okay i'm gonna see how long each one of these magic dust particles can live on its own. So they just kind of spray it out there. And then each galaxy for them represents one, one, one smattering, one sample, one, one uh, instance of their magic dust test. And we're going to, they're turn, they're testing them out to see how many they can last. And so I think for us, our goal would be to, utilize all of the resources in the galaxy that we could get a hold of because we're probably only going to ever get access to the resources in this galaxy. We probably aren't going to actually get a hold of be intergalactic. I don't think that's a realistic uh, goal for us. And so mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of that's what I like to imagine. I like, I like to imagine our reality is that a couple of teenage uh, gods that have said, OK, try this. And then they spin up a spiral galaxy and they say, see how long you can stay afloat. <laughs> <laughs> See how long you can prevent yourself from being uh, drugged into this black hole, the supermassive black hole in the center. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the way I like to think about it. Well, that, that's a cool idea. I like it too. You know, it's it's always interesting because it, everything just seems so weird, especially with um, 
the way life develops. And it's especially because it's as far as we know, you know, only here, nothing like this exists in our solar system. And as mm. far as we know, anywhere else, even though there's places that are just like our planet, you know, the blue earth like planets, um, it, it's <laughs> it's really awesome. So I, I hope you're right. I hope that that's exactly what we end up doing. And then uh, if we uh, if we win at the end of the day and conquer the galaxy and then it's like we wake up and it's like, oh, we're part of this uh, experiment by the gods. It's <laughs> even more interesting. Maybe, maybe. What do you think about aliens? What's your stance on extraterrestrial life? Do you think they're watching us? Do you think they could care less? Do you think they visit us? Do you think they abduct, cow, abduct cows? Well, it's it's funny, man, because um, based on what you were just saying, you know, like like we're 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 kind of like a, a if, if we want to think of it this way, we're like a spore that goes around, um, and we're just the form that's in this in this galaxy. Maybe mm. there's other ones. Uh, in my in my mind, there's absolutely no way that we're that we're the only form of life that there ever was. So absolutely, there's probably aliens. But then it gets even crazier because, as far as we know, life is the way that it is on Earth. But that's mm. just how you know the conditions here worked out. What if uh, you know, um, like like we were talking about the the red blood cell. What if what if we're um, you know, microscopic in comparison to what, um, you know, the alien life form is. And we mm. just don't even know, you know, like we can literally be a part of it. We mm. could be living on the outside of it. It could have True. breathed this out or something, or it, we could be the largest version and then, you know, other things. So, you know, we're, we're looking at like atoms and stuff and we, we assume that that's like one of the smallest building blocks of matter, but who knows, uh, you know, you go, you go across the, the universe <laughs> to the other side of infinity and uh, maybe things are exactly different and you would not recognize life at all you wouldn't even know it was happening so um you know i, I, I i'm open to all of those ideas but mm. I, I definitely believe that there's there's aliens I, I know that they're here and if they do come and they abduct our cows um you know we're missing out on some sweet alien milk i guess <laughs> or something i don't know i'm with it i'm with it i think it was stephen hawking that said uh you know, we're in trouble if they're like us, right? If the aliens are an advanced form of us, we're in trouble. Because if we if we went out into the galaxy looking for resources and we came across some species that we consider to be primitive, but it was sitting on top of mountains of diamonds and titanium. Well, if we needed to get rid of that stuff in order to access the diamonds and titanium, it wouldn't be morally problematic for us. And so <laughs> we better hope exactly. that they aren't the same way. Yeah, it I, I agree. It, it's scary, man, because, you know, like if if life is if life is always the way that it is for humans and it's a resource based need for things, you, you only really have two options. Either you expand out because you ran out of resources wherever you had and you just consume everything or you um, you learn to be self-sustaining. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> if it's the resource getting like humans currently are, because nothing we, we you know, we live on a system that that requires us to um, ex or spend, mm. consume things. Mm. We're, we're, that's not a good day. <laughs> if somebody comes around and finds us and we have something they want, you're absolutely right. Like, um, you know, if, if they were able to travel through the stars, it's not going to be a problem for them. They could literally like fill our atmosphere with some gas, kill us all, and then just do whatever they have to do. Yeah. Or ignore us completely, slave us, whatever. And I think that's, I think that's par for the course or for us as part of our, because in order to be alive, you're constantly resisting dissolution right this is the very definition of life anything that resists dissolution is in a meaningful way alive uh, and because that's what we do we have to constantly acquire new resources and new energy uh, and more energy and add it to ourselves in order to stay alive and live another day so uh, you know i'm i'm all for embracing our role as universal bulldozers uh, i am a i'm a human chauvinist uh, I'm always for the human species. I don't support 
the bees, for instance, and I don't support the, the, the whales and the trees simply for the bees sake and the whale sake and the tree sake. I support them because we don't know if we lose all of our carpenter bees. Does that mean that this species of flower then dies and then that kills the species of tree and then eventually kills us? We don't know where that cascade stops. And so for that reason, I'm on the side of environmental uh, conservationists because we don't know where the cascade stops and shoots us in our own foot. But I'm not for the trees and the bees and the whales for their own sakes. Uh, I think we could live on lab grown protein. Um, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, now that you explained it that way, I, I basically 100% agree with you. I, mm. I appreciate the conservation of the environment that we live in because we live in it. But mm. if we're able to escape that in whatever way, shape or form, especially in lab grown meat, I'm, I'm 100. I'm more than 100% with you on that. Have I love you, that idea. Have you had the impossible? No, I still haven't. I've oh, seen what? it, but I haven't tried it. Oh, yeah, dude, I know. Uh, here I am talking about it. <laughs> you got to have the impossible. It's it, The impossible has made me a believer in lab-grown meat. Absolutely. Boom, there we go. I have to try it all. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't against it before. It's not like I was going around with picket signs saying, no to lab-grown meat. And, you know, I wasn't against it. I just had never had it, and I wasn't a fan. Uh, I just had never had it. You know, I wasn't excited about mm-hmm. it. But I went to this place, this burger joint in L.A., uh, and my mom's a vegetarian. And so it was me, my mom, and my cousin, my little cousin. And so she got the impossible. They had an impossible on the menu. I said, you know what? I'll try the impossible too. So I tried it. I said, Whoa, I can't tell that this isn't real beef right from the place. <laughs> and so then they sell it. I saw where they sell it at my grocery store. So I bought some cooked it up. Can't tell, cannot tell. It's not real beef. I am. I'm fo- I'm fooled for a blind taste test. You, you could, couldn't get me to tell the difference. Uh, and so I looked up how it's made. I think it's mostly soybean and corn. Uh, so once we can grow soybean indoors uh, effectively, geographically and spatially uh, efficiently and corn the same way, once we get some indoor soybean farming and indoor uh, corn farming, then, yeah, it's going to be lab grown meat all day. We can let the cows roam, uh, roam free. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, I am 100% for that because. Like, why wouldn't you? If, if you can replace something with something that's similar, tastes the same, you can't tell the difference. Mm. And by the way it's going, if we get to, you know, such a level that it becomes cheaper than what it is right yep. now, 100% switch me over. I will never talk Provides about it Provides the same nutritional value, same texture. Um, it could even, it, because it's growing in the lab also, it could provide even more nutritional value because we could pump vitamin D, vitamin C, B12. We can pump all sorts of vitamins into this stuff that isn't coming naturally from a cow. Um, I think it's a great way to go. Exactly. It, it will it will solve many, many of the issues <laughs> that we're dealing with now, not let alone getting people food that they can actually eat. But like you said, making it nutritious to, you know, to a to a custom degree, just, just fill it with, uh, you know, whatever dietary needs you need. And you're you're off to the races. It's it's fantastic. What are you interested in these days? What are you following, keeping up with, paying attention to? Oh, man. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm all over the place. You know, just trying to figure out anything at all, ever. Mm-hmm. But uh, really, um, I'm just, I'm, con- I'm mostly concerned with politics because we're living through politics, like living mm-hmm. through history. I mean, you know, that, that's always the case, but it's, it's really annoying. And the only reason that I care about it so much is because of what I was caring about before this took the forefront of my mind, which mm-hmm. was, um, to, to put it in a single topic, um, futurology, which I found out about from, found out about from Reddit. But what I, what I mean by that is just all of the, 
um, you know, near future, far future technologies that are that are shaping up now that, are, you know, like not not our not our just dreams of things like flying cars or anything like that, but just the, you know, the, the real technologies that are being built today that are going to affect the future mm. significantly. So we've already touched on a, on a lot of them, really. So um, it, it's just ridiculous that we're on the precipice of so many of these things, life changing, culture changing, human humanity changing technologies. Um, it's incredible and i'm just curious about how it's going to happen mm. and it's going to take a lot of politics in order to you know make these things okay and not let them take over or um ruin society for some people or give people an unnecessary advantage and it's scary so just being abreast of it and making sure that nothing bad is happening yeah i think we're i think we're going to splinter into sectarian groups uh and i think that's i think that's kind of inevitable at this point yeah, I think that's inevitable. I think that's gonna gonna happen. Uh, I think we're gonna go back to the age in which you could go into a village in southern Romania and they believe one thing. You could walk eighty miles along the coast and find another village that believes completely different things about the truth of the universe, and they're eighty miles from each other. Uh, <laughs> and I think we're going back towards something like that, where where those village, those people, those people in those cultures were also perennially and eternally at war uh killing each other over their beliefs you have you have divi uh, divides like this in africa as we speak uh, i was watching a documentary about a civil war between this group that was forever fighting this other group and for them it wasn't just it wasn't just religion and culture even though that was a part of it it was mostly because they killed my father and the other one says oh they killed my uncles and then it goes back generations and so they just kill each other and uh, they, they just don't stop um you know, kind of like the Sunni Shia divide in Islam. And so I think I think we're going towards that type of divide inevitably within the next 10 years, 15 years or so. Uh, but I think after that, the ideas the I think during that better ideas will evolve. Right. Better ideas will sharpen uh, and cooler heads will have a chance to collect uh, what, the way they think about the world and, and put forward good ideas to, to carry us through. Uh, what do you think are some of the best ideas coming out of futurology that will eventually um, stem the tide of of, of uh, wretchedness that we probably have to walk along? Oh, absolutely. So um, it, I'll, I'll limit it to three because these are the three that I think are the most um, absolutely um, absolutely important ones. And they all kind of mix together anyway. Mm. So the number one is going to be Artific or yeah, artificial intelligence AI. Mm. Not just um, you know the the level that we have now, but something um, along the lines of like an artificial general intelligence. Mainly because um, you know, if if this is anything like what people think it's going to be, where you have um, where you have the ability to create this system that is able to act like a human in any kind of in any or in uh, act like a human thought process or beyond that, mm. um, it, it it gets you know it, it's. It's unprecedented, it's unbelievable, and there's not really much we can say about it. And that leads to the second one, which is automation. Um, automation mostly because what we as humans are subscribed to this idea that we must work, we have to work in order to prove our value. And the whole reason for that is... You know, well, a lot of us are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Exactly. And, I, and I'm with you, man. Um, I don't I don't agree with this. And I, I rebel against it in, in, in thought, at least. And I, I want to rebel against it more. But, you know, like... Um, governments require taxes and stupid things like that and so you know if automation picks up to the place that it gets to and we legislate it correctly um 
or at least organize it in a way that people recognize that they can be that we can be free from the from the tyranny of work and it would it would usher into humanity an entirely new paradigm shift of what is possible and what life means and things like that mm. and then um to to further on that one the next one down the list would be um medical devices but particularly particularly crispr which is you know brand new um being able to edit genes um like like a like a circuit or like a like a program which you know like at the most basic level curing lots and lots of diseases um at a, at a next level creating tons of drugs that are um that will benefit us in ways that we can't even understand and then mm-hmm. even more than that potentially changing what it means to be a human and in, in general leading mm-hmm. to a whole new era of transhumanism where people can explore who they are and what they really feel like and what they want to be just madness (laughs) and also life expectancy that's what i'm looking for i'm looking forward to uh the human being able to live let's say 200 years and not really think much of it go oh you know i'm gonna be 205 next month i hope you guys are planning the party right exactly and 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 to think nothing of it like you said you know like that that's just the beginning live as long as you want Mm -hmm. and in that way uh, you know, we were talking about being uh, expanding throughout the galaxy. That's really the only way I can see it making any kind of sense. Once all these people that want to do it can actually travel and survive the journey to the far reaches of the galaxy, we're in business. I like I, these days. I'm actually thinking a little bit about how the digisphere has seems to have a desire and the digisphere seems to desire knowledge it seems to want to know about us and so that's the way i'm thinking about the panopticon so the panopticon i think has been described mostly as people at some central hub keeping their eyes on everyone else but as ai transitions into agi and as machine learning uh gains maturity i think the panopticon will be more and more automated until it would it would actually you have to think about it as a thing in itself that wants to know what we do it wants to see us it wants to watch us it's building a memory in which it can then go back in its own memory and go oh this is how humans behaved in 2020 this is how they behaved in 2021 and there will be it will still be us pushing those buttons maybe maybe we'll just be pushing those buttons as tiny little cells inside of a large thing but the the data will be there right data has a mm-hmm. life of its own and, and it lives much longer than we do um you know there w- there might not be a day when i'm 205 walking around but there will be a day when this podcast is 205 this very recording this mp4 right can be 205 and can be reviewed and listened to again um and i think that's i've been thinking a lot recently about data picking up a life of its own of course this is just drawing on elon musk's uh bootloader metaphor where you've heard him say that uh, no, I haven't heard. Of oh, that yeah. One. Elon Musk says, well, maybe human species is just maybe human intelligence is just a bootloader for machine intelligence. Right. Maybe machine intelligence is actually the thing that Earth is creating. And we're just some intermediate phase uh, that's bringing that about. And I think that's a powerful idea. Of course, tell me tell me one idea that Elon Musk has put forward that isn't a powerful idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, that guy's all over. The Love that guy. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting concept, and and you're absolutely right. Like that that's if you if you get 
if you reduce down the the condition of what life is, you could you could honestly, in a way, say that it's for the formation of data. And so, in that mm. way, you know, like it, it's just finding um, it's life evolving to create better and better, better systems of data management, data storage, data, whatever, and mm. then using it for whatever uh, whatever purpose. And a machine would be much more efficient than us. So if we're the catalyst that brings that about, I mean, it is what it is. I just hope I get to join it. <laughs> so well, you're you're already part way. of it. You're already part of it. That's true. Yeah, you're you're living it. You're living it. This is cool stuff. (laughs) Living every day. (laughs) So what do you think of the I mean, the insurrection, right? We have to talk about January 6th. Uh, What do you what do you think led up to that? Who do you who do you point fingers at? What do you think we should do? Well, you know, it, it's funny because so many people are talking about this in various ways. You know, you, you, you it, it's exactly what you said. People want to point fingers. Um, mm. Was it was it QAnon? Was mm. it Proud Boys? Was it Donald Trump? Was it the Republican Party that bore Donald Trump into the world so that he could create all these other fringe groups? Was it the Tea Party that was the beginning of all this? Was it the, just a reaction to Obama, a black man being president that just blew up the the white supremacist uh, you know roots in this country? Mm. It's it's wild but more more sadly i think the the real the real problem here which i i don't i don't see it truly as a problem it's just a side effect that was un um unforeseen and unfortunate is the internet and the freedom of thought and ideas mm-hmm. going back to what you had just said um a couple minutes ago you know um i i, I also believe that things are going to become extremely sectarian or that they really already are mm. it's 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 ridiculous and the and the the, the method the, the the way that people were able to do it was through the internet because it's the free thought of ideas and what ends up happening is that you uh, you as a person you know if you were born in a city um or a village let's call it um you're, you're kind of stuck with whatever the village ideas are for mm. anything. Um, you have to you have to go by what the village says because that's that's really the only world that you know. You don't really have an access point unless you leave it to figure out anything else. Now, you can go on the internet and you don't have to you don't really have to care about anything. You can find your tribe. Your tribe can be created and they can believe in whatever kind of thing you want. You can literally go out and almost go shopping for the people that you believe in, trust. Um, and see things the way that you are. And as mm. great as that is, you know, it's a free, it's a free flow of information. You're able to get deeper into ideas that we think about. It's also a double-edged sword where like it's an, it can become an echo chamber. And I think that's exactly what's been happening a lot. You're, you're, you have a lot of people that wouldn't normally feel so emboldened to believe the things that they do, or at least not the way that they do, but they find other people. And once you find a collective of people that agree with you, it can become, it can become dangerous real quick, unless there's some kind of regulation for what it, for what it is, or some kind of, you know, allowance for people to challenge the thought and um it's just not happening so mm-hmm. now you have things like um you know social media putting people into these groups forcibly showing them um and forcing them into corners of the internet where only people that agree with them go and nobody else and we're seeing the ramifications that led up to people becoming violent and it's not even just that i mean the same thing happened with um with the whole gamestop thing it's just groups of people coming together as a collective to to make change whether for better or for worse it's it's wild yeah i um so for just thinking about january 6th as a as a date and as an event uh i point my finger mostly at the people that stormed the capitol uh so i don't know if you've seen the the video uh that the democrats put forward in the impeachment trial just it would have been either yesterday or today. Uh, uh, I watched that video this morning and it showed that uh, 
while Trump was giving his speech. Now, Trump, I think I think 40 percent, probably at least 40 percent, maybe 40. You know, someone's going to say 49. Right. I'm going to say between 40 and 49 percent of the blame lands on him. Some people are going to say all of it. Right. I don't say all of it. Mm-hmm. I think most of it is the people themselves that did the act. But I put 40 to 49 on him for saying for seeing that these people would uh, behave this way and then stoking those fires. Um, but they show how there were hundreds of people that were storming the Capitol while he was still talking. Right. So those people have to bear full responsibility for what they for what they've incited. Now, I understand that they believe that the election was stolen um, and where I would push and where I do push in conversations uh, like this one and where I would push in conversations with them is you are free to believe in whatever you want, but you can't storm the United States Capitol because of what you believe, right? You have to storm the United States Capitol because of what you know, right? And so I would think that a lot of people in this group would say, oh, I know it's stolen. No, so no, you don't. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't know it was stolen. You believe it was stolen. Um, and so when, you know, each one of us has to take responsibility for what we claim to know, uh, because what we know, what anything that I know has to also be knowable by you. And so this is how I push back against the proliferation of conspiracy theory uh, and, and religious thinking generally. And that, for that matter, if you can't claim to know something that I can't also know, right? You can't claim that you know that there's an invisible person who has no scent and no, no way of being touched in the room listening to what we're saying, but we can't detect them. You can't claim to know that because nobody else can know that, right? You can, you can believe that all day. Um, and so I blame mostly the people that actually physically knocked over those uh, iron fences, those steel fences, the people that actually climbed the walls and actually hit the windows with flags and actually stormed and said, we're going to take the Capitol. We're out there screaming. Da, da, da. I blame them mostly 51 to 60 percent. The other 49 to 40 for me goes to Donald Trump himself. No, uh, oh, ab- yeah. absolutely, man. That's um, that, that's that's really the, the end of the story, because. You're, you're absolutely right. The insurrection was pro, it was done by the people that were there. And mm. it's it's not it's not again, it, it comes down to exactly what you said. It's the belief that they hold. Mm. They didn't you know, if a rational person, if you go up to a rational person and tell them some things, they have to they have to make a decision. They have to choose to believe it. Mm. It's not it's not like they were just um, brainwashed and hypnotized. It's literally on them. And just like I heard on um, on one of the political people today when I was listening to the impeachment trial, um, these people went there with the intent to kill, to 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 imprison, mm. to do to do all these terrible things. Because even even if even if it was just Donald Trump and his words saying that that didn't bring guns to the Capitol, that didn't mm. bring pipe bombs to the Capitol, that didn't bring gallows to the Capitol. Mm. It didn't do any of that. That's what people chose way before that. Mm. They are absolutely responsible for what they did. And um, and, you know, when you when you say Donald Trump, I would even say, go as far as to say the the party that he that supports him while he's doing it he's the one saying the words but he's almost like a mouthpiece when the entire group does not go does not do anything to stop it right before the insurrection was happening you know they were voting they were voting to um, certify the election results which is a normal part of this of this country's processes which has never been challenged at all Mm. the fact that People took objection to the to the very second right before or right as the inse- the insurrection was happening. Like the people were outside of their door and they were objecting to it. They came back later that night and still objected to it. Is insanity. Mm. And you know, like the only way that can happen, it, it's not even it's not even just the fact that Donald Donald Trump spoke this and spewed lies for this entire time. 
these people support him. They push him to do it. They, he's he's literally just a people pleaser at this point. Mm. The party he's in supports him doing it to the point where they will literally push it forward themselves. It's it's madness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so imagining somebody like a so which representatives I see. I don't even know. I don't know their names. So imagining a hypothetical um, Republican senator that actually believes the election was stolen, right? So this is, I don't know, like I said, I don't know any of them by name that actually believe this, but I'm imagining that there's one. Now, we could say that they're, we could accuse them of being cynical actors and say that they're actually just pretending to believe that the election is stolen for the base. That's one accusation. Okay, that's fine. But let's say that they actually believe it because we know that there are millions of Americans that actually believe the election was stolen. So thinking about these people, that means they have to go to Newsmax and OAN and they have to go here and listen and listen to the depositions that people have given. I've, I've seen hours now of deposition of people talking about the fraudulent votes and this is the proof and Donald Trump numbers went down. I saw one video that showed how Donald Trump numbers went down on election night at one pivot. There was a point where uh, Joe had 13K and Donald had 11K and then one second later. Uh, no, it was reverse where Trump was up by a couple thousand. And then one second later, Biden was up by a couple thousand in the same district, just the same votes reversed. Right. And so I saw mm-hmm. that video. Now, if someone wants to believe that that is widespread proof of malfeasance, that's fine. Just take responsibility for choosing to believe that is what I was that what I say. Hey, you believe that that's evidence of bad acting? just accept you choose that that's fine i disagree but accept that you're choosing to believe that you don't have to believe that because when i see those numbers flip i still say to myself okay do i need to go talk to that election official and then when that election official tells me yeah we actually had the feed reversed from the gate we thought we were getting trump's numbers as biden's and we thought we were getting biden's as trump's at the night and that was a correction that you saw those numbers flip that wasn't an error that was what made it more correct Right. I I don't know that that's not the case. Um, yeah. So people who take all that evidence and there's there's enough. I, w- I would say there's many tens, if not hundreds of hours of video and depositions that you could and testimony that you could collect and purview. And if you choose to believe those things, then, yes, you would go storm the Capitol. <laughs> right. If, exactly. if, if I believed, you know, if for me, the reverse would be the case. Right. If if on election night when Donald Trump was up. Uh, You remember he was up in the first couple hours, right? Because we knew that walk up voting that day would lean heavily Republican. If that night when he said, "Okay, stop counting. Stop right now. It's over right now. I've got the lead. It's over. If they had just stopped and let him win and we didn't count all the mail ins, I'd be at the Capitol. Uh, You know, I wouldn't be knocking over fences for sure, but I'd be there with a with a with a flag and a sign and and screaming, you know. Um, So I get why people are there with the flag and sign and screaming Uh, still. You have to accept responsibility for what you believe, and, and that's for each of us. And then you have to accept responsibility for what you do, uh, because it's mm-hmm. one thing to believe that the election is stolen. It's another thing to put zip ties on your belt and walk into the state room to capture representatives. <laughs> that's a different thing. You can believe that the election is stolen and still not go set out to hog tie duly elected representatives. That's a that's a whole nother degree of uh, of aggression. 
Exactly. Yeah, that that's 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 all it is. It's responsibility for beliefs. You mm. know, but the, part of one of the hallmarks of this country is the freedom of speech. And what a lot of people take it as, it's not necessarily this, but you know, in spirit, kind of it is that you you have the freedom to believe what you want. You can you can you don't have to believe a state sanctioned. Uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump is the greatest president that has ever lived. Like, no, you can you can have your own thoughts, your own form, form your own opinions, and mm. everything like that. But just like you said, none of that. It, you take on the responsibility for forming an opinion and you have to you have to defend it you know like the the, the burden of proof falls on you at some point so kind of like what you were saying you know if if that did happen if it was the reverse where um where the where we felt that the the vote was being stolen in a way like yes you know like we we would storm but mm. at the same time we would be liable to present some kind of evidence mm. that we were right and that actually makes sense going back to the the very first thing that you said you know like the the truth has to be known to everybody it ha like you won't have to get to this level of violence and and madness if you prove your case the correct way violence is the absolute last resort but these in this particular case there was no proof the the proof mm -hmm. was you know like, like you said there was thousands of hours of videos recounts done mm -hmm. over and over again testimonies from people nothing there was nothing the the, the i think they found like 100 maybe total illegal votes that were cast so at that point what what do you need you but know? that the, the, but that is based on the evidence that you've chosen to accept right so for the people mm -hmm. who have watched these many tens uh, of hours of footage putting forward the the theory that they already believe that it's stolen and that's the only evidence that they accept then when they go and watch the representative from chicago say uh, which and i should make that point clear for for every for every 10 minutes of video of someone saying the election has been stolen there are hours of footage of people saying no it hasn't <laughs> right for every for every one person saying this election has been stolen there are nine that were in the room counting the ballots that say no no it hasn't right so in order to accept this theory you have to reject a lot of valid evidence and that's just that's just mm -hmm. another point of acceptance right you accept when cnn says we have talked to the representatives in this D georgia district that have done the recount and they say they've only found a couple hundred fraudulent votes you accept that as evidence someone who stormed the capitol doesn't accept that which is another layer of responsibility you have to take responsibility for what you accept as evidence of truth uh, and that's that's something that i think is going to be one of the greatest confounding um, variables for us in the next 10 to 15 years is that people just won't accept the same evidence. They just they just won't accept. They'll go, nope, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. I don't believe you. I don't believe this. I don't believe this. And they'll just, you know, if we can't talk, we have to fight. And so hopefully cooler heads prevail. Uh, I'm certainly on the same side as you. Uh, I accept the same evidence that you do. Um, I think most of us do. Uh, but there's a large group that doesn't. And I, I really like general stan i think his name is stanley mccrystal i don't know i forget his first name i'm sure it's mccrystal though general mccrystal's take on what's happening with with this movement in our country and he likens it to rebel groups in in i guess they're mostly muslim so just it could be any it doesn't have to be muslim but any rebel group right any mm -hmm. and, but but with the with specifically the religious overtone these groups say to themselves we reject the status quo we reject the elite. We reject the standard. 
uh, way that our country has been going and the line has been going down. We have this new way of thinking, this new way of believing, and we should be in power. And once this group forms, and this this isn't his argument exactly, but this is what I've extrapolated from it, but that once this group forms, they will choose leaders. They can pick and choose leaders. And he argues, this is his argument, that for them, they chose Donald Trump as much as he chose them, but they chose him to be their leader. And so we call it Trumpism, not because he started it, but because he was the first leader of this group. And now that Trump has fallen as a martyr, which this group now believes that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president and they aren't going to stop believing this because there's because they don't accept the same evidence that we do. And so now we have to treat them with the respect you would treat an armed opponent which is with deep respect, deep seriousness, and serious discussion about what's true and what's not, right? When the when a Sunni and a Shia come in the same room and they both have guns, that's a serious conversation. <laughs> There's nothing nothing light about it, right? About how they're gonna operate their state. And I'm sure these conversations are had in uh, Iraq all the time. And we have to do this, now we're, now that's the position we're in as America. There are millions of Americans that don't believe the sitting president is legitimate. They don't believe it. Uh, so they're kind of a rebel, they're kind of an American rebel group now that we have uh, that we have to deal with. Exactly, they are, and it, it, it's interesting because everything everything that you're saying, I agree with still. But that's exactly what's going to have to happen. We are basically a divided, a complete, or we have we have sects that are completely divided, completely willing to accept different types of information and evidence, and. It's like, how do you talk about that? But the thing that that I fear, the thing that that scares me about this is, you know, getting the people into the same room, even if they're armed. The requirement is to have a conversation. That's Mm. that's the basis of of all this talking. The thing about the insurrection is that they skipped from, you know, they skipped over the conversation part and they Mm. went straight to the to the violence. And if that's the way that this is going to go, that's a problem. Uh, It it definitely shouldn't be that way. That's not the way that discourse is supposed to be had especially not political discourse especially when you're having deep 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 disagreements like Mm. we do now Mm. but it happened so my my whole my whole major fear is like now that that line has been crossed can we can we bring it back to civil to civility or is it that every time that we present you know a truth that they don't accept it's immediately a conflict it's immediately we're at arms we we can't accept this you're trying to you know destroy the country that we live in and yep. because of that we we're on the defense we yep. have to protect this with our lives it's it's the scariest thing that's ever i've ever seen that's a real possibility that's a real possibility so when you have when if you take a a palestinian from the west bank and you put them in a the room with uh, a jew from jerusalem and you have them talk about things, the Palestinian and the Jew almost never believe each other, right? And this is hypothetical. I don't know any of these people, but I'm just saying because their history is so fraught, no matter what the Jew says and no matter what the Palestinian says, they go, I don't, you know, I don't trust. I don't trust that this person is operating in good faith, no matter what they say, because their history is so fraught. Uh, And we could be on that path that no matter what, um, I don't know what you would call us, but are we Bideners? <laughs> am I am I a Bideners? Because I believe he was duly elected. I don't want a moniker. I feel like I'm part of the no name group. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm a scientist. I'm just a, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. But you know, the, I would call the others truthers, right? I would call these conspiracy thinkers truthers. I think that's the that's the, that's a derogatory term. That's certainly an insult. You know, and I would say that if you 
would storm the capital of my country, then yes, I'm hurling an insult at you. Uh, so mm-hmm. let's not let's let it be only be words uh, and never take it to violence because I am a civil person. But so, yeah, the, it might just come. To, it might just be the case that there's nothing we can say that they would believe. You know, then then do they have to elect their own representatives? I guess do they still? But but of course, here's an interesting here's an interesting scenario. If they don't believe that the democracy works anymore, then that means they stop voting. Oh, but then I made myself scared. So it was interesting when I was thinking of if they don't believe the democracy works anymore, then they just stop voting. And then they willing, will, willingly and voluntarily give up their voice and the representation. But so that was the first thing that I was thinking about. But now I'm scared mm-hmm. because if they have given up their voice and the representation, how do they speak? Right. That's only through destruction. That's it's only by blowing things up and shooting people and and knocking things over. That's the only way to express yourself if you don't feel like you have a representative representative at the seat of power. And that's why it's so dangerous mm. because that's that's exactly where it's it, or it's it's not at that. I'll, I'll I'll be fair to say that you know of the of the seventy plus million people that voted for Donald Trump in the last election, not all of them were insurrectionists. Mm. However. Mm. It, it, it was basically a tacit support of that. They, they voted before it happened, but they're they're voting for the system that erected that. And you're you're absolutely right. It's funny that you mentioned that exact example because during right leading up to the election, that was one of the things that they were saying. Um, you know, the Republican Party, but especially Donald Trump, was parroting this idea that you shouldn't vote in this election because the Democrats are going to try to cheat it. And mm. that ended up happening a lot. Of, I think especially in Georgia, um, and it flipped the state. But what did that do besides outrage the people that feel this way? Mm-hmm. And what are they going to do now? Because they, they've lost representation at, at the seat of power. Like you said, what what will they do? Will they will they accept it or will the insurrection just be the first in many things to come where violence is the only answer and rebellion is the only way that a voice can be heard? It's it's outrageous, but it's playing out before our eyes. I think there's a two part solution that I've kicked around the past couple of days. And the first part for me is basic income. I think a lot of people's deep gripe against the state of our nation is an economic one. Uh, And I think that's actually a a gripe that unites conservative and liberal. Uh, The fact that it's becoming so hard for so many people to keep their grandparents' property in the family. Uh, The fact that it's become so hard in the case of, of my specific case that I have to pay four times as much to get the same education that my that my parents got uh, and I have to go into debt for the same education for lower paying jobs, um, mm-hmm. relatively lower paying jobs. Right. As far as cost of living is concerned, it's you know, and that's a gripe that. And so I think basic income is a powerful remedy uh, that could unite left and right. And then the second is an appeal to the Constitution. Um yeah, I, I would prefer that our political talk get back to issues. I heard some some talking heads say today, look, our politics has changed from talk about issues to talk about identity. Right. We've gone from a from an issue centered uh, political discourse to an identity centered political discourse where people just say, OK, I know what team I'm on. And so if this person is on my team, then I'm willing to hear them out. Uh, no matter what their what their stance is on different issues, but they're on my team. I know they're on my team. So I, but if they're not on my team, then I don't listen to them. Then they're obviously wrong, no matter what their stances are. And so that's a type of thinking that I just, I think we have to get away from. Uh, I'm certainly not part of that. Uh, I try to, and so the the way I stay away from that is I think about our constitution. 
Uh, I think about the way that our government is set up or way that our society is set up through the through the Fed and the states and the counties and the cities. Uh, and I think about how we have we do have democracy all the way down. Uh, and I feel like local politics should be more important than it is. It feels a little bit odd to me. Now, this has been true my whole life. I'm 36. What are you younger than me? Older than me? I think you're a little bit younger than me. Mm-hmm. 34 34 <laughs> a couple years we're the we're the same age uh so i feel like for our whole lives it hasn't really mattered who the mayor is now that could just be because i'm a los angeles native uh it might be different if i lived in a smaller town i, I would assume that would be the case but my local politics seem less significant than the national politics for a lot of a lot of reasons um that just feels a bit odd and so i would like to see I would like to see that matter more, and I think that will matter more if a basic income goes out, for one, uh, and we get elected officials that appeal to the Constitution and issues, and they talk about issues more than color. Uh, so, some of my favorite talking heads still, in during their political analysis, will land on, and this is why white voters did this, and this is why Latino voters, Latino voters did that. How are you landing on that point? That's part of the problem to me. The fact that you would land and th- then he pushed away white suburbans by da 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 da. How are you landing? Don't land on that point, right? Don't land there. If you're going to push, if you're going to say identity politics is a bad idea, you can't land on, and this is why such and such won all the white votes. That doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't make sense to me. I. Uh... You, uh, you and I are of the same mind, man. Mm. And it, 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 I'm so happy that you brought up um, universal basic income because that, that is truly the solution, e- mm. even to the, the, to the identity politics and the, the constitutional politics in my mind. And really, it's because of this. America is a, is a, is a country, unlike many other countries, although more so now, but still, the, it, it's the shining example of a mixed, per, mixed um, community society there's uh there's people from all walks of life pluralistic exactly pluralistic that it's it's all over the place for all kinds of reasons um history based immigration based etc and it it complicates things and the 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 major way that it complicates things in this in this age is because of money people are are unequal um and they really they don't have equal opportunity to to certain things we, you were just talking about how difficult it is to get into college and the mm. reason it's difficult to get in college is literally the, the barrier of money mm. if we if we give out a universal basic income um you know not even just for things like schooling but also for um for working if it, if it needs to happen that way it puts the power back in these people it puts them on a much much more even playing field because now the the barrier of entry has to be higher than whatever the the basic income is and the idea i assume would be that the you know the income would in- increase over time um maybe with inflation or whatever way that it's going to do but that would keep people with some amount of power with the ability to have a choice with the ability to figure out what they would what best suits them as mm-hmm. opposed to the only way they can survive mm-hmm. doing that allows you you know if you want to if you want to not do anything the argument that people always say about universal basic income sure fine but if you don't like 90 percent of people don't they mm-hmm. actually want to do something with their time mm-hmm. well now you can go to college maybe you don't even have to pay for college with the ubi because it's actually free college as a lot of progressives are talking about and now suddenly you have the ability to think critically you have the ability to listen to arguments you have the ability to reason and so you can do something like read the constitution or the state laws and make a you know an opinion about them so that way you can actually talk about the topics as mm-hmm. opposed to Sitting there and being like, well, I have to vote for a representative anyway, so I'll just vote, I'll vote for the person that looks like me, sounds like me, believes in exactly what I believe, tribalism, 
this mm-hmm. is my team, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's 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 just it's it's outrageous. And the the I guess the thing that that pisses me it, it touches a nerve for me because I know for a fact that you know even even with school in a, in a lot of places, one of my coworkers came from the south. Most of them are just factories to make workers that don't question things and do things. You can go to school, you can get an education, but you're not taught to question, to think, you know, critically about the the topics that are being brought to you. So they get brought to you and it can be overwhelming. And then on top of that, like you're distracted by any number of things that are going on in your life. Mm. People just don't have the time, the ability to to reason them, them, their reason for thinking. And then you end up in a place like today where you get caught up in what your neighbors are thinking about or the people that you choose to trust are thinking about without actually thinking about it yourself. And you're more willing to side with the mob than to have a voice and state your opinion about a topic. It's, it's insane. (laughs) And the, the, the animus and the angst and the anger and the hostility goes away when the economic opportunity is a little bit more, or I should say when the opportunity is a lot more evenly distributed, even though the outcomes will still be varied. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a distinction that has to be drawn between economic opportunity and economic outcome. Uh, there are a lot of people that I've heard. So uh, sometimes I hear the word equity used and I've heard it accused of meaning, oh, this person is arguing for equal outcome when they use the word equity. I've never actually heard that or I've never heard any, heard anybody use equity that way. Um, now, I have heard people just say equal outcomes. <laughs> I have had a conversation with people say, oh, blacks need to have equal outcomes with whites. Right. And but you, it's you can't you can't force equal outcomes. Right. You can't force quotas. You can't force equal outcomes. Is, in my opinion, that's just a bad way to try to go about it. Um, but if the if the opportunities were more equalized then the hostility that brews between Johnny I believe the election was stolen and Sarah I don't then they don't have to shoot each other if they both have a basic income and they both know that they are free to pursue their lives in whatever they, they whatever they they want right if they have attentional autonomy and they're free to find fulfillment in art or film or media or literature or games and or parenting or whatever it is or athletics or whatever it is they're interested in if they're free to do that then when they talk about uh religion and they talk about politics and they talk about these deeply meaningful things with someone that they disagree with at the core they don't have to kill that person because at least they agree on this system that keeps them both wholly and and earnestly in possession of their own destiny and i feel like that's what's really animating a lot of this this anger is americans common americans don't feel like they're in control of their own destinies anymore they feel like uh i i can speak for myself in this case i feel like i'm scratching for crumbs i feel like i have to spend every day begging free people to let me do something for them so i can eat right (laughs) why Mm -hmm. i don't want to live like this what is this is not the country that was advertised to me when i was in elementary school not at all you know, it's it, it it's absolutely true. And you, you touched on the core point in, in my mind. It's it's really you're erasing the need for um, or you're erasing the defense of survival. The the reason people are so willing to to kill and resort to violence is because literally they're trying to survive. They get to that point where it's like if if this if this legislation doesn't go the way that I need it to go, my entire livelihood is at risk mm. and I will die and mm. I am going to lose everything. I'm gonna mm. lose my family, my job, my my house, my everything. 
it's survival. And that's why they're so willing to fight for it. You give them an opportunity to have a life outside of that. And mm. you're not fighting for survival anymore. You're, you're free to, to pursue whatever it is that you can. And then these things don't matter. They don't matter as much. They're still important. They just don't, they don't, they don't, they aren't life or death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're not, there's not an existential threat every time, uh, the party in the white house changes power. Exactly. And you will still feel okay. And that, and I, I mean, in that way, it's kind of like, that's the goal. When we, when you mentioned that local politics feels almost unimportant, it, it shouldn't matter whether it's a big city, small city, whichever it's important, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be life or death. It mm. shouldn't feel like we have to, we absolutely mm. must participate or things are going to go into a hellscape all of a sudden mm. dystopian craziness. It should just be like, like, you should want to participate in it so you can have a say and, and know where your country is going, which is literally the point. Yeah, the feeling should be if so-and-so gets in, I don't like them, but it won't be that bad. And if so-and-so gets in, I kind of like them, but, uh, you know, it's fine if they don't. (laughs) That should be the feeling uh, for most elections. That's certainly not the feeling we've got now. Oh, no. I don't know if we're going to get there anytime soon. Were you Yang Gang in 2020? Oh, um, yeah, I was, uh, I'm totally for everything that he was going oh, for. Oh, man. I was, it was, um, I, I was Bernie more so just because he, he had more progressive ideas, but mm. I was, I was, I was ready for either of them. I mean, this is getting into the point that I wish that we had ranked choice voting or, or any yeah. other system besides yeah. first best to post. But, you know, like there were so many, there were so many better heads in this race, but Yang was amazing. He, uh, it was refreshing too, because not only was he coming with this idea that anybody else peddling would have probably been laughed off the stage because that's what that's what's happened every time i've talked about universal basic income with anybody Mm. but he brought the facts he brought the science he was the most evidence-based science-based person on the stage and that's why he held his own i I really truly believe that it it was kind of the same thing that that bernie had but he was better at doing it if you sat down and actually listened to what he was saying how could you disagree how could you disagree with what he's talking about the the message is there and it's clear and it's it's good for just about everybody. Almost nobody loses with this, and it's fantastic. Have you heard of talking to the elephant versus talking to the writer? Oh, no, I haven't. So this is <laughs> this is an idea. I'm only familiar with it via prox, prox, proximity. I don't know exactly who wrote the idea, so I don't, I'm not hip to it in, in detail of its origins, but I understand the, what it means. So... Every person can be thought of uh, every kind of, let's say, political person or I mean, voter can be thought of as an elephant and a rider. Uh, Now, if you want to steer an elephant and a rider, it's kind of it's if you're going to steer one, you could steer the elephant. Right. (laughs) If you Mm -hmm. get the elephant to move, then the rider is kind of going to go along with it. And so this is an, an analogy or a metaphor for the heart and the mind of every voter. If you speak to their heart. They'll follow you and then you can talk to their head. Which, so the hell the heart is the elephant and then you can talk to their head and the rider will go, OK, yeah, that's fine. I agree. Then they'll agree. But they got to already they kind of already got to be following you. So you got to. And mm-hmm. one thing I've since since learning this, this concept, I've noticed that Donald Trump talks to the elephant only if you've got any sort of head. He doesn't make sense. <laughs> Right. If you try to follow his facts, don't do it or, or, you know, try, try to follow Donald Trump's facts for a series of months. You're going to get confused because he doesn't use facts. He doesn't truth test what he says. He just says whatever he's thinking in the moment. But what he's doing is he's talking to the elephant of his base. He's getting people's hearts to go along with him. 
That's what he's doing when he's orating. That's his gifted talent. Um, yeah, he talks. So, and that's what I just that was just this morning. Uh, I just had that thought where I was I was watching, like I said, the video of the Democrats. And I go, oh, he only talks to the elephant. That's why for him, it doesn't matter what facts are. Facts don't matter to him. He can say whatever he wants. He can shoot somebody in Fifth Avenue and he wouldn't lose supporters. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that that that's a great analogy. I've never heard that before, but it, it it's absolutely true. The 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 elephant, the heart. I guess okay, I should say it. This is actually the context in which I heard. I heard Jonathan Haidt pushing back against Andrew Yang. Uh, this using this concept. This is actually why it mm. came to mind. He said, Andrew, you don't talk to the elephant enough. He says you go to the head. And hey, I'm a heady guy. It lands on me. You're a heady guy. It landed on you. And I think a lot of people who are uh, a little bit, let's say who are a little bit seasoned in the school of, of technical writing or scientific research or something like this, it lands on us uh, because we're already in this space. But for a lot of people who aren't here, his talk, uh, what you're putting up numbers, what are you saying numbers, but what are you saying, right? It doesn't land on these people, right? They go, ah, I don't, I don't really follow what you're saying, right? Uh, when you say, you say $1,000 a month, yeah, but you know, how are we gonna pay for it? That's the first question. Whenever I talk about basic income with anybody, the first question comes out of our mouth, how are we gonna pay for it? But what I'm saying to you now is something that actually just came to mind. I think how are we going to pay for it is actually a first level of defense against a deeper objection. Because how are we going to pay for it? Now that I'm thinking about it, I think in a lot of those conversations, it ends up on, eh, but people are going to be lazy. That's really what you wanted to say, isn't it? <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that really your first objection that people are going to be lazy? You asked me how are we going to pay for it? I tell you a VAT tax plus a transaction tax plus we can take the first thousand out of UI and we can remove all the cash. There are ways of paying for basic income, Ah, but people are going to be lazy. Well, that's really your objection, isn't it? You think that people are inherently lazy, which, hey, if you feel that way, you feel that way. I, I disagree, but you can't tell people what they should believe. Yeah, you know, it. it, it that that really it touches a nerve again because I, I hear that all the time and and just to 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 bridge it over a little bit i always hear that about um the minimum wage too um, mm. which is you know related and kind of similar but it's like i refuse to to um to increase the minimum wage because i've already worked so hard and i've gotten this far it's like it's like somehow you're gonna lose by giving people the freedom to do something else mm. it doesn't it doesn't make sense especially in and in, in ubi it's worse because really what 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 the the answer is given to the to the to the preliminary defense like like you said it's not about how we're going to pay for it it's about how are you going to convince me that people aren't going to take advantage mm -hmm. of me putting in all this money and me paying mm -hmm. taxes and me doing all this stuff while this other person just gets to freeload and do whatever and it's like if you can if you can move past that idea and recognize that it's about the freedom of being able to choose to do that, I guess, and not being forced to do anything else. It, it, it's its always about the freedom of the choice, but nobody sees that. It's more like I'm going to be pulling somebody along, mm. not even recognizing that that's literally what happens anyway in, in other ways. It's just, you know, again, it, it takes a lot of education and bringing people up to speed. And 90% of the time you have like maybe 10 minutes to talk to anybody. True, about true. And for me, it's also about the the power of the common. So there's a there's a power imbalance a gross power imbalance between would-be employee and would-be employer so in in town in let's say in, in main street america right town town a uh let's say there's 10 carpenters 10 really good carpenters but there are 10 construction companies that need carpenters right just making up some numbers so those construction companies when they know 
that those carpenters have to work at one of those companies, they're only competing with each other for wage pressure. They're only saying, okay, I'm paying a little bit more than all the other nine companies. I've got the best salary on the table. Therefore, all the workers are going to work for me because there's not. An, but but when you put in an option for all those carpenters of not working for any of the construction companies, now the each construction company has to compete with the idea of the person just saying no to all of you. Now you have to pay them enough that they want to go work for you, not just because they have to go for one of the 10 and you've got the best price out of the 10. No, no, no. They can stay home. They can live without you. And the fact that we can give workers, we can give common people the ability to live without these corporations that gives us so much power and it corrects an imbalance that's already in place right so i'm not talking about tipping the scales to us i'm talking about balancing the scales so that, that they aren't so far tipped away from us which is the problem right the, the the scales are tipped so far away companies go oh well every person here has to work for somebody so i don't have to pay i have to pay them barely over starvation i only have to pay them more than my neighbor because they have to go work for some my neighboring company because they have to go work for somebody um, and if we can we can correct that with a basic income, we can make it such that common people can live without the corporations in their towns. So now the corporations have to create actually attractive environments, environments that we would want to do more than just stay at home. Right. It gives them it puts a new competitor on a table. A new challenger has arrived. And the challenger <laughs> is I don't need you, Pepsi. Right. I don't need you. Yum brands, KFC, whatever. I can stay home. I can play video games and smoke weed. I don't have to go do whatever you want me to do. But if you want me to come and do what you want me to do, then make it attractive, make it nice. And like you said, most people, 90 plus percent of people want to contribute to their families. They want to contribute to their communities. They want to go out, build skills and do good things. Most people want to do that uh, and they want to do it for a fair wage. And so I, I think that a basic income uh, would give us an intentional autonomy that would make us so much more powerful uh, in perpetuity. And I think it's a better way to balance society going forward. And I think society would thrive on it as well. Yeah, you know, it, it it's funny. It's, it's almost like the missing puzzle piece that was needed for this, for the American idea to to really become what it was meant to be the entire time. Mm. We're 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 basically a democracy, representative democracy, sure, but we're at the at the basis of it, it's a democracy, and a democracy does not work if the people, you know, like uh, literally, if not every single person is voting, you don't have a democracy. People are underrepresented. This is the same kind of idea. People must be able to have an equal level of power because if they're not, they become basically enslaved to whatever system they have to do, which is mm. exactly what you're saying. Mm. I must go work at this warehouse because I don't have a choice. I have to pay taxes. It's I have basically to kind of a modern indentured servitude what we live in absolutely it, it, it's never stopped it's 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 a it's a serfdom that's mm. that's been mm. <laughs> that's been revamped and brought into the modern age and it just so happens to give everybody just enough autonomy so that they don't care mm. they don't they don't mind it because if you if you quote unquote work hard enough and become a good enough person you can escape this terrible sadness and live the life and dream that you always wanted to mm. It's never supposed to be about that because our lives intrinsically have value. And that's that's what we've been missing. I mean, the fact that we have to fight for a minimum wage that actually allows us to live, you know, let, like, let alone um, <laughs> the, the, the opportunity to work and get a job. But you 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 might get a job and not even be paid enough to survive. You don't have enough to pay rent mm. or do anything. It's it's a joke. It, it, it literally is saying, I don't care about your life so much as in whatever value you can bring for me. What mm. value can you as a person bring to me? 
that that's not that's not how this was supposed to be ever when we are born we are born with the right to live and and that has value and so now you give people uh you know it's going to start out small it's not going to be there but truthfully hopefully it expands to eventually get to the value the average value of what a life is in a society the the potential of what it can be being able to choose to not have to go and do something you don't want to do at all Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. changes everything it mm-hmm. changes everything it changes mm-hmm. local economies to be able to provide things you always hear about like food deserts and things like that there's not going to be a food desert anymore because people can actually afford to get the the things they have the they have the ability to choose what they want they have the ability to choose the 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 job that they want or to not work at all to get the food that they want or to not eat i guess <laughs> no still. yeah and a lot of people uh a lot of people in the cities if they didn't have to go work for corporation XYZ and push buttons ABC and then come home tired and pick up a burger on the way, they would grow their own potatoes in their side yard and live on less than, uh, you know, live on, live on less than what they currently make. If they didn't have to go push those buttons for random company. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's like you have the choice again, the the choice to do whatever, either have things be convenient so you can fit more time in your day or take your time to do whatever the hell else you want to do because you can. And every, every wage contract is inherently extractive from the person who's getting the wage in return, because that's how business works. If I'm operating a business and I need somebody to help me with my business, I can't pay that person more value than they're bringing to the company because then I'm just giving away the business, right? In order to bring somebody in, I have to say, okay, I need help doing task A. Task A, if it's done by a person, is probably going to bring in or allow the company to make another 200K, 300K a year. So whatever I pay this person has to be less than that. Otherwise, it doesn't make business sense. Every wage position operates on that principle. That's what principle makes sense. That's a capitalist principle. I support that principle. (laughs) I think it's a good (laughs) thing. The thing is, people should be free to say no to every undesirable wage position. They shouldn't be in a position where they have to say yes to at least one in order to eat. Um, you know, that's that's actually what I disagree with with Bernie's uh, federal, what do you call it? The federal wage guarantee or the federal work guarantee or something like this as opposed to basic mm-hmm. income. I know you probably saw that person ask him in the 2020 campaign, hey, Bernie, do you support basic income? He says, no, I tell you what's better. Uh, guaranteed work program, right? This was Bernie's response. A federal <laughs> work program, build build bridges, infrastructure. Love you, Bernie, right? Infrastructure. Um, I don't like that because at the end of the day, that's just the federal government giving you less money than they're less value than they're getting from you. That's the that's the broken dynamic. <laughs> the mm-hmm. fact that we have people who are like you said, they're they're inherently value. And what I think is valuable is attention. I think attention itself is the one true currency because the only things that are meaningful to you and the only things that can be meaningful to you are the things that you can or have paid attention to at some point in the past or present. That's it. That's the that's what the list is limited to. If there's something that you've never paid attention to, you can't care about it. You don't have the ability. You've never paid it. You don't, it's not in your frame of reference. So attention itself is the one true currency. And I think we're seeing a shift towards monetizing attention uh, in uh, through the ad model in long way, right? I don't, I don't think the ad model itself is the final form, uh, definitely not the final form, but it is a form that says, hey, eyeballs are money, right? And that's a principle that we need to keep 
we need to expand that principle in our capitalist society. We need to continue to work on and mature the concept of eyeballs are money. Eyeballs are money. Attention is money. Attention is currency. Yes, we need we need to mature that. Right. The ad model is one iteration. It's working fine. It serves a, a lot of purposes. I like the ad model for what it does. It has a lot of counterproductive incentive structure that some some of my favorite um creators have gotten away from uh, specifically sam harris sam harris has worked very hard to get away from the ad model he does uh, through listener support only as far as i know so that he's not cancelable i really respect that model a lot i'm trying to emulate him uh, with with this show actually um but but that points to the fact that experience first person experience one moment to the next that's what matters and and what experience matters to you more than yours if you've got kids maybe your kids but for the most part your experience is, is the you're you're the best arbiter of your own experience you're the best custodian of your own attention and we need a capitalist economy that recognizes that and attention and basic income is a step in that direction i would argue oh absolutely it's funny because um because that, that's exactly it in, in the way that you're saying it attention and or time really if you want to if you want to think of them mm. as the same idea mm. is really the only thing that matters mm. because you could you could do anything else is a pursuit to get more of that to be able to have a freedom to do whatever you want so in that way it's absolutely true and uh, money is just the the middleman in in that entire thing mm. if, uh, if if a ubi actually truly became um you know ingrained in society and accepted it would be interesting because eventually it would go away because eventually what people are going to realize is um, you know if the economy were to advance so much that money almost becomes useless so nothing nothing really matters that much you live in a state of abundance you, time is literally the only thing that's left mm. attention is the only thing that is left mm. and so to recognize that and to um you know to propel it in a way that is good because like you said you know there's a lot of counter ways about that there's a lot of ways to steal attention and it's um, you know it's there's a lot of psychological things inside of there too, but as long as we can do it in a way that is in, in the same that has the same ideas and concepts that we fight for and everything else, fairness to all the parties involved, nothing you know, um, trying to trick people necessarily without their consent, the, it just recognizing that this is the the choice of people and the be the ability to choose where they spend their attention is is and should be the ultimate cool i think that's actually the next society though so just like this society where money is the main medium of exchange and you have a lot of white collar theft right where that that is the egregious offense just stealing there are plenty of people trying to steal money all the time right and so because they say hey that's what's valuable so i'm going to steal it so once attention is valuable i think you're going to have an entire attention grift economy (laughs) can can you imagine can you imagine being a being an attention pirate by (laughs) siphoning siphoning people's attention to where their subconscious is it, you know, you trick them some sort of way where their their left finger is pressing some button. Somebody goes, hey, you're pressing that button. And they go, what? And they're in some weird position where they're pressing some button they didn't even know they were pressing. And they're just constantly giving me money because I can siphon their subconscious some sort of weird way. That's some crazy sci-fi right there. <laughs> oh, sci-fi. No, that's the reality right now. You can go work at Facebook, talk to Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I suppose it, it kind of is. That kind of is with the with the clicking on the digital buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that is when you know what I have to tell myself. I have to tell myself whenever I go to YouTube, and I don't know I don't know what to do, right? And I go to YouTube, and I'm looking at the the eight thumbnails, and I scroll down, I look at eight more, and I spend forty seconds. I have to go wait, wait. Don't let YouTube think for you, and I have to turn off my browser, 
and look out into my living room and just think about what I want to think about and not let YouTube think about it for me. Uh, that's the way I have to fight against them stealing my attention. Oh, it's so funny. I do the same exact. I, I'm nodding so much every time that we're talking. I'm just, <laughs> you can't see me, but my head is probably about to fall off. But yeah, it, it's it's absolutely true. Unfortunately, all these um, you know, like I I live and die by the recommendations on on YouTube. Mm-hmm. On uh, well, I don't go on Facebook too much, but on Facebook, on on Reddit, like show me show me the stuff that you choose the stuff that's coming from somebody else i didn't choose it i didn't i didn't go on there or you know sometimes i do sometimes i go especially on youtube with the specific purpose of looking up something specific but the recommendations are scary you can go down these rabbit holes infinitely mm-hmm. <laughs> and end up and you'll sit there and how in the world did i end up watching this justin bieber video when i was watching a psychological oh yeah video <laughs> oh yeah and there there's a, a weird there's a dual incentive. There's a good incentive there because of course I want novelty, right? When I, when I click on news, right? So let's say I go to, let's say I open my phone, I go to Twitter and then I go to the news tab. I I'm actively wanting you to show me something that I couldn't have predicted. Show me something that's that I couldn't have thought of, right? That's why I'm coming to you for new things. That's why it's called news. It's new, <laughs> right? And show me something that I couldn't have imagined that I need to know about uh, that needs to enter my psyche. And so there's kind of that going on at the same time. I've realized, I think I've realized this. So the, the human um what's it called is it called working attention i think it's called working attention is about seven concepts long this is kind of what i remember from undergrad so you can hold about seven different working memory you can hold about seven different concepts numbers just forms whatever things there were things that you're juggling in your ram your your mental ram let's say uh you can hold about seven at any one time then once that eighth one comes in, that first one you had goes out the door. So when you're trying to remember a phone number, you can remember the phone number. But once I tell you a zip code, you've lost now the middle digits out of that phone number because now you got the zip code in your head, right? And so the YouTube homepage is eight thumbnails big on a lot of standard 16 by nine uh, screens. And that's not by coincidence. It's not by coincidence that they show you more things than your brain can handle because you go because you you're thinking of, oh, you know what? Did Usain Bolt win? What year did Usain Bolt win the world record? I need to know that, right? I need to know that right now. So I go to YouTube and I open up and I'm thinking as I click the little button on my favorite bar, I need to know what year Usain Bolt uh, won the world record. And then I click the YouTube home button and I've got uh, exactly 10 thumbnails and an advertisement on my homepage. And I've completely forgotten. As soon as I click the button, as soon as the page loads, I've completely forgotten why I came here because it kicks it out of my head. It overwhelms my working memory. I've completely forgotten why I came here, but now I go, Oh, wait a minute. There's a new podcast from this person that I really like. Oh, they said, what, what? Look at this thumbnail. Look at all these different. That's why you notice your homepage is always very varied, right? It's always coming from a different, a uh, bunch of different perspectives. Oh, he just released a new video. I have to watch this one, right? Uh, man, social media is tough. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, and the, the saddest thing is that if you would have asked me about this like five five years ago when I was thinking about it, I was like, "This is the greatest. This is the greatest tool in in history. Mm. It's like a condensed internet where people are able to connect with each other." It completely transformed bigger than I thought it was ever going to be. It's people found out how to game our emotions, our thoughts, and overwhelm us with choice. Um, and 
And uh, I mean, you want to talk about the elephant? It's it's like it put a chain mm, around its neck. Mm, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, in ways that you don't even expect. And what's even more uh, terrible, I guess, is that half the time you don't even realize that it's happening. Uh, there's a whole generation of people, uh, not even just you know the young generation anymore. It's infecting literally any person that's not strong. They're hijacking to- the human brain. They're they're operating on our biology for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And and there's nothing you can really do about it. And they're getting better at it all the time. <laughs> Have you so seen, like, I think I it's called The happen. Social Dilemma, Tristan Harris's documentary on Netflix. Oh, yeah, that was so, Tristan <laughs> so Harris, I should scary, say. but yeah. eye opening. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's what got me pushing back a little bit harder. Watching that documentary, understanding that it's it's the idea that we can't win. Right. And the reason you can't mm-hmm. win in any single session against the Reddit bots or the Twitter bots or the YouTube bots or the, all the Google bots is because they're huge computer. They're supercomputers. Right. Your brain can't beat a supercomputer. It just can't. It's not possible. Uh, and so what are your what what do you do? What would you say are some of the best ways, most effective ways that you found to beat back uh, the harmful influence of these giants? That's the sad thing, you know, I, I don't know that there's really a way to to fight against it now. It's mm. so it's so steeped in what our culture is. It's, it's almost like a subculture of, of everything. And the, the thing that's the, the worst about it is the proliferation of devices in general. Like now, no matter what you do, you could be on your you could be on your cell phone and you're connected to YouTube or Reddit or Facebook in three ways. So you can go home, you're, you look at your at your smart TV, you listen on your Alexa, you go on your computer itself. All of them are connected. It's it's really hard to get out of it. The only reason I'm even able to, uh, you know, resist it the way that I can now is because I remember what life was like before, mm. before this was ever the truth. I don't know how to explain it to anybody anymore. You know, um, I still remember as the transition was happening um, when I, I remember when kids would have a cell phone and I, and you know, before they were even connected to the internet, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. I, I didn't get a phone until I was, uh, you know, like at the latest part of high school and it was just a communication device. And now kids are doing it and they're talking with everybody. Now it's, now it's literally like two year olds, one year olds are thrown in front of screens, not even like a, a TV, but the internet. And they learn how to use them. They learn how to go through the things because it's so intuitive. It's so intuitive that a child can do it before they even recognize anything else. I don't know how you fight against that. I don't know what you could possibly say against that, except learn how to think critically and remember that things don't, things are not always just what's suggested to you. Mm. There's more to life than that. Just, mm. just because you were looking at something doesn't mean that that's all that exists, but it's really easy to forget that. And I, I find myself losing that battle sometimes too. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I'm winning it either. I find myself even, you know, I will I will click YouTube and then look at the thumbnails, scroll them, and then I'll use the same tab and I'll click Reddit. Right. I won't open another tab because I didn't watch anything in video. And then I'll scroll, scroll Reddit, look at some thumbnails and then I'll close the browser, you know, go look at. I don't know, my kitchen, pet my dog, come back, open the browser in literally three minutes later, literally three minutes later, I'll look at Reddit again. And then look at yep. YouTube again and then check my Gmail again and then check, check Robin hood again and then go back to Reddit and the back. And I'll just go into these loops uh, where for, for 40 minutes, I've done nothing but click back and forth between these four sites uh, until I finally go, what are you doing? 
<laughs> what are you doing? Stop it. Do something productive. Play at least play a game. You know, that's what I tell myself. I tell myself at least fire up some Minecraft. Uh, don't just sit here and do nothing on these sites. But then, but then, even after I say that, I'll go. Oh, Mike Pence mayor been narrowly. Oh, now I'm drawn in by a Reddit headline, right? <laughs> these things are so crazy, man. It really is, and it, it's sad because I, I I take it even a step further. I, I literally have gotten to the point where if I'm trying to like search for something on Google that it's you know I'm looking for a more nuanced answer. I just type in the question that I have and Reddit at the end of it, so that way it points me to a Reddit thread that uh, that I feel like is whatever, which is nice. scary. Because in the back of my mind, I'm like, what if this is a you know, I'm just feeding into a, an echo chamber myself. I, I don't know what to say about this anymore. We are. Really we are good. feeding the echo chamber, but that's the thing. We're, and and this is kind of my big philosophy. We're creating the thing. We don't know what it is. <laughs> right? We're trying to be aware of it. We're trying to be aware of it. But at some point, at some point, the thing is going to be so much bigger than us and we can't grasp it. And I actually did this math with, uh, with my buddy Evan. So once... And uh, once a continuous object is as tall as the sun to Mars and as wide as the gap between the orbit of Earth and Mars, we could be inside of the thing and have no concept of what it is. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. Once it's that big, you're inside of it. You're literally a part of it. And you don't you have no clue what it is. You don't you don't you wouldn't even know it if there was you saw a silhouette of it. You'd go, what am I? I don't know what that is. You wouldn't even know. So we could be we're building that we could be building that thing. We could be building the thing that we're all gonna be a part of. But I tell you what, I think it's gonna be enjoyable. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a good time being a part of this thing. I think it's gonna be uh hypnotizing and and, and it's gonna be digitizing and it's going to be entertaining and it's going to be colorful and bright and 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 sensual and it's just going to be everything man and we're going to dig it and and in digging our lives will create the thing i think basic income will be a part of the thing oh absolutely uh, all uh, again you know we're on the precipice of all these technologies if you have if you have something to govern this which could be an, a super a super ai that understands things beyond our reckoning and in the same way that you know we could be inside of something and not understand this thing can think so far beyond what we're doing we don't even really understand that it's manipulating us at a low level not in a you know in a in a bad way but just doing it uh, you then get assist you you then create the bounds of the system that we either exist in physically or you know something like the matrix you plug into it mm. and then you you set the parameters of what that system is trying to do as long as it's uh, you know in a thing that's beneficial to us that is amazing that is literally like it's heaven it's a dream and why would you even be upset about it I I, I as much as the the only thing that I would be sad about is losing the autonomy of myself but at the mm. same time, if I'm if I'm experiencing nothing but happiness and pleasure and good from this thing, I can't really complain about it. Life is the life is part of life is trying to get as much good as possible. So if you if you get guaranteed that you can't really worry about it. Yeah, I th I'm thinking now that might actually be exactly how it works, that from the red blood pills. So imagine, let's say you say, OK, I'm going to lift some. I'm going to do a workout. I'm going to do a workout right here. So you go out, you grab your your dumbbells, right? You do some some presses and some some deadlifts or whatever. And then your brain 
sends a signal to some other part that says, hey, we need to send some blood to the arm, extra blood to the arm, and then your heart pumps a bit differently, and so the blood gets pushed to your arms a little bit more, but your blood doesn't know what's going on, right? So we would be like those blood cells where we're we're going to be directed at some point in the, in the distant future. We'll be sitting in our houses, and then, in a, you know, we'll be sitting in our houses and then something, something will happen and you'll go outside and there'll be this, this beautiful thing happening. You'll go, Oh, there's one of these things happening. Right. And you'll go to the thing and you'll participate in the thing. You go, Oh, it's a random block party. You go, Yeah. <laughs> random block party. Yeah. You'll go to the block party. You'll mingle. Da, 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 and you'll talk to everybody. And then the block party will be part of some other thing, some other system that's required for something, something elsewhere. Right. This is how this is. This is how I imagine the next or th- that's not the next, that's quite the distant future. Uh, th- at some point in the distant future, that's how our society would work, where we'll just be in this constant state of hypnosis. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. we're serving the purpose of the greater machine, right? The Maybe maybe the greater machine says, hey, I need a bunch of, I don't know, I need a bunch of plastic. And so all of a sudden, there's a recycle drive all around the world. Everybody's getting excited about these recycle drives. They're going, oh, yeah, we're recycling. Da, 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 da. Meanwhile, they think they're doing things of their own autonomy. Meanwhile, plastic has actually been summoned from on high. Uh, and, that, and that's why they're participating in the recycle exactly. drive. Yeah. It, it's, it's a subtle manipulation. And as long as the ultimate, you know, the ultimate machine is moving in a direction that we would call good, you can't complain about it, especially if you don't know about it. It's happening and you literally have no control over it. Yeah. It's, and I think the key, scary. the key mechanism here is that you feel like you're controlling yourself. Uh, this exactly. was actually a point I made with someone else. I said, look, if you've got someone who their whole, let's say they're kind of kind of a Forrest Gump type, a semi Forrest Gump and their whole life, they only take directions they don't have any original ideas they just say hey mom what do i do hey sister what do i do hey boss what do i do right that's all they do with their life but they felt like they were in control more power to them right more mm-hmm. power to them if, as long as they felt like they were in control what i don't like about our current system is that a lot of the time i don't feel like i'm in control of my destiny right and i'm just a common person I'm just a common person who wants to, I want to pay attention to whatever I want to pay attention to whenever I want to pay attention to it. Uh, why isn't that provided? Haven't we come that far? Aren't, aren't we, where are the flying cars? Isn't this the Jetsons universe? Aren't we here, right? Don't we have the machines and the AI and the robots? Why do I have to go push buttons? Uh, aren't the buttons already being pressed? Shouldn't I be able to do whatever I want? Well, you know, it's it's so sad because even even more than that, it, it's I get mad because I, I sit here and I see people, you know, that literally rebel against the systems that we have established in order to make these things work, insurrecting and going to a capital. And these people live lives that are better than mine in some cases. Mm, these are mm. these are affluent, wealthy, privileged people, you mm. know, from whatever class that it is that you come from. But they but they get to live closer to a life like that than we do. And for what? For, that's uh, a good know, point. They, no, that's a really good point. To make bad decisions and do things that that ruin this for everybody else, and they and it doesn't even bother them. It doesn't even you know the, their interaction is just the latest example, but stuff like that happens all the time. No, that's a good, that's a great point. Right. That's a great point. Yeah, it actually reminded me of uh, it. Just yeah, you know that's the the brain is a problem finder, 
right? The the human brain finds problems. If it has a scenario where 99 things are working as they should and there's one problem, it's going to focus on the problem because that's what it, that's what it does, right? Our brain keeps us surviving in order to survive. It has to anticipate, detect, and solve problems. Uh, so even, you know, we're, we're all kind of in America, a version of the princess and the pea right now. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm complaining about the fact that I can't pay attention to whatever I want, whenever I want. Meanwhile, I spend a lot of my time paying, <laughs> doing whatever <laughs> I want. Right. Meanwhile, there are people in, in, in Yemen and, and parts of, you know, Saudi Arabia that are truly suffering, right. All around the world, there's true suffering there, I tell you what, in my family, there's no true suffering like that. We're all doing, we've got our problems. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, pain is real. Uh, an analogy that I use, it's not an analogy. It's an example. So let's say Paris Hilton orders a purse for a, or a clutch for a gala, right? And it's a custom clutch and it's going to match the dress she has. It's very nice. And then it's supposed to arrive two days before the gala, but then it doesn't arrive. And now she has to use some other clutch that doesn't exactly match. And there's somebody that she needs to impress at the gala. So for Paris Hilton, this is real pain, real human pain, right? Now we don't have to sympathize or, or, I forget the, the operational difference that people use between empathize and sympathize here. Um, so I'm not going to use either. So we don't have to say that her pain is objectively bad, right? Objectively. It's not as bad as people who just lost their whole family to a bomb. It's not that bad, right? But it's still pain. And so you have to subjectively recognize that, hey, for her, that hurts. That's a opportunity. You know, the, the tightness in her chest is the same as the tightness in the chest of that person that lost her family subjectively. Right. When she's crying tears, they're the same as every other person's tears. They're the same. Right. Subjectively, not objectively. And that's just an, an, an important point that I like to make when I'm talking about how privileged we are. Right. Which is that we are privileged. Objectively, mm -hmm. we are the princess in the pea. But still, subjectively, all human pain is e all human pain is equal, right? Intrinsically equal. Exactly, and and you know it, it's interesting because we're now bordering on on the on the, the most crucial point I think out of all of this, and the, I, I think this is actually what my brain struggles against and rejects about everything that we were moving towards with the with the the basically heaven simulation, whatever it is that we we get lost in a system that's just benefited to our good hmm. if it was if it was literally made where it was 100 percent good absolutely nothing bad i don't know that i'd want to be a part of it and only because in my in my human my human experience my human understanding of what life is i can't is something good if you cannot tell the difference if you've never hmm. known what bad is do you know what good is do you like is it is are you able to enjoy something in a vacuum without having any kind of struggle or strife or anything like that. And that's potentially what this thing could become. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, like, like you said, humans are always looking for a problem. The problem that we could look for is self-sabotage of this beautiful, perfect system hmm. because we need some kind of struggle. Now, now, even though we have everything that we technically want, we want struggle instead. So I feel like any system like that would have to incorporate struggle. It would have to incorporate and make it feel like we're, surviving it ironically mm. Mm. because that's the only way that we will truly feel it but i, I don't know i mean I, we've never been in a in a position to say that 
we have absolute good either. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Um, and but the, the surest sign of this is, you know, more money, more problems. No, even if you're rich, you're still feeling pain. You still have suffering of some kind. Nothing solves that. Nothing takes it away. Um, That's a great way of thinking. I really like that way of thinking about it. Uh, I think what it does is it allows us to consider this type of objectively, okay, objectively insignificant pain, right? So when I talk about my pain in the in if you if you take all the human suffering on earth and then you put my pain into the bucket, my contribution is insignificant. <laughs> Right. My contribution is for I guess you could take some, you know, I lost my stepdad and my my own father around. So I could make uh, significant contributions depending on what style of analysis you use. Um, You know, losses is always. But I'm talking about the comforts of life. Um, Mm -hmm. What point was I making? Oh, the point I was making is this. So when you think about it as, okay, we get richer, we extend life, life gets better. And then our brains create bigger problems out of problems that were smaller. Hey, that's fine because then we'll just keep going higher, right? We'll just we'll just keep getting to the point to where someone in some distant future will say, can you believe this? I extended my right arm and there was a diet soda and not a regular soda. Who do I need to write about this? How, how long does this going to happen? You know, and other people go, I get it. Same thing happened to me. I asked the waiter for or maybe it won't be a service human being, but it'll be some service bot. I asked the waiter bot for a da 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 and it always brings a da da da. We need to write our congressperson. <laughs> right. That will be that will be there will be a mass movement of the software error in these type of bots that caused all these people to get the wrong type of drinks to spike their blood pressure ever so slightly. Something needs to change in the law in order to fix this. Right. This would be the new level of suffering uh, to which we have become attuned. Uh, I wonder what Nietzsche would say about that. He'd probably call us soft, probably say we're terribly <laughs> soft for living that way. Yeah, and it, it it it's weird because it's it's so it's so it's both outside of our condition. It's so far outside of our condition to think about something like that. But at the same time, it absolutely is our condition. No matter what we do, no matter where we're at, we'll find something. We we will constantly, constantly search and find some reason, something to be against, and then something to overcome. And we won't feel good until that actually happens. It's it's wild. You know what? This I, this saves it. This saves it. In the human body, there are bone cells and there are neurons. A neuron compared to a bone cell is sensitive and weak. Which is more important? Depends on your analysis. Is it is a neuron not important? You lose all your neurons and tell me how that goes, right? <laughs> is a bone cell not important? You lose all your bone cells and tell me how that goes. It depends on what the what the purpose the thing is solving, right? If these if these people that are ultra sensitive are you know acting as something like a sensor, right? If that's kind of their job is to sense, they're doing an incredible job. That's big. The more sensitive, the better, right? If somebody is a a pillar, a, a constructor, a weight bearing person then yes, that person needs to be strong. That person shouldn't be weak. But do we all need to be weight-bearing? Neurons aren't weight-bearing. Neurons perform a different function. So I guess mm-hmm. when we're talking about people's sensitivities and and thresholds for for inconvenience or what, or, and pain or and suffering or whatever, we also need to think about the capacity in which they're serving the society. Are they a neuron? Are they a blood cell? Are they a bone cell? What are they doing? 
Exactly. And that's, that's, that's the interesting thing about this too. The, the way that it's going is something that's all encompassing. The, these solutions are all encompassing, but they don't necessarily have to be. If you, if you are really capable of creating a structure or, uh, you know, in the case of AI, a mind or whichever, that's so far reaching and so beyond understanding that it can encompass everything. It can also encompass the individual only. It can create, you know, a tailored experience, I guess is the best way for me to put it. And um, to make it in a more, you know, less high fantasy idea, that's the way I envision education eventually becoming. Hmm. It's almost impossible for you to fit, uh, you know, all these kids in a classroom, regardless of the size. If there's even two kids in a classroom, you need to come at them with different approaches because they're not the same. They don't learn the same. They don't think the same. They don't go through the same, you know, they don't approach things the same way. The only thing that it would be capable of handling and teaching in a in a way that is perfectly tailored to anything like this is something that could do that for everybody. And so, you know, we're already halfway there with the fact that, you know, especially now due to the pandemic, we're stuck in front of our screens all day. Kids are literally at home learning. Mm. Imagine that an AI is able to do it instead, able to teach you personally catered to the way that you are able to think. Mm. Now you extrapolate that and you would take it to literally everything else. You're able to provide an experience that is perfectly crafted for this person themselves and that that way you address those exact things you don't have to any individualization uh whatever your strength is whether you're a bone cell or a neuron to get back to the analogy is exactly is exactly taken care of you mm. get a you get an experience that maximizes what that could possibly be as a neuron or a bone cell and it, it, it's just beyond again beyond reckoning and this is all this is getting to infinite future practically. But so. you know what? No, I, I, I was actually going to bring it right back to 2024 <laughs> because <laughs> because the basic income is what moves us in this direction. Freedom. That's freedom. America's all about freedom, right? How how we we're in a country that's all about freedom. At the same time, we're in a country that says, oh, but if you're a member of the common class, you have to sell some of your attention until you're able to own all of your own attention. Where's the freedom in that? Where's the freedom in having to sell until I can own my own attention? How about I just own my own attention out the gate? And then I'm, then I'm able to express myself more in line with who I could be, right? I, I think we would get so much more potential out of the American common class, if we freed ourselves up from having from these from these uh, wage constraints. Absolutely. You know, the, the stupid the stupid thing that people always say um, that's somewhat related to this is like, you know, if somebody if, if somebody had an abortion, no, you could have been from birth to the next Einstein or mm -hmm. the next, you know, whatever great scientist that that it doesn't have to be a death and not being into the world. We already hold back billions of mm. people the class that makes the decisions and has all this freedom you know it, uh, I, I always get this too that america most of america is rich in comparison to the rest of the mm. world mm. completely understandable but like that's the thing if if people were given the freedom to be able to act things would be different because who knows what path these people are going to take they, it could be that they were you know stuck working in a field as a farmer in some third world country their entire life because they don't have anything else they can do suddenly the entire world gets a ubi everyone's on an equal playing field now that person could do some other pursuit who mm -hmm. knows what the hell they were capable of in the first place now things change completely or somebody that was on a path that they didn't necessarily like because they thought that that was the best now you change just to do whatever you care to do as mm -hmm. opposed to doing what you think is going to you know let you survive the best or have mm -hmm. the, be the mm -hmm. best more stuff whichever it's it's really it's really liberating 
and exciting, especially and especially as a as we people that are in that are closer to the top, I guess, universally than to the bottom. The fact that we care about this and that we're willing to extend it to everybody, not just the people that are like us or at the top with us or anything like that. The fact that we're willing to extend this freedom to everybody makes the difference. That's the thing that's never happened in society before. It hasn't been possible. And now we're getting to the point where this world creates so much that economically a UBI could truly be possible and truly free up all this um, this. I, I hate to use this. Well, actually, I guess I don't hate to say it. this capital, this free, this free capital to you to spend your attention, to spend your money, to spend your time, to spend your whatever the way that you actually want to. And the society transitioned from industrial to uh, post-industrial, partly because people were exactly this level of free, right? So a lot of the a lot of the people uh, that contributed, I'm thinking of Isaac Newton, for instance. This guy, he was wealthy; he could do whatever he wanted. So Isaac Newton could sit around and read books uh, and look at the and look at the moon, right? This is all he didn't have to do anything; he just sat around and did whatever he wanted. Uh, I'm thinking of Punnett, the the biologist. So this guy was a priest which means the church pays a stipend, but he was also interested in academics. And so he uh, developed incredible plant biology paradigms and systems that we still use to the day, right? Just because he was interested in it. Elon Musk. Elon Musk's parents uh, didn't spend a lot of time with him, and he was mostly raised by nannies, but it meant, and who also didn't su supervise him well, but it also meant he got to spend a lot of time doing whatever he wanted as a kid. When Elon Musk was 12, he thought everybody understood electri electricity and magnetism. He thought he thought that uh, the way that circuits worked was common knowledge. <laughs> it wasn't. He thought it was. And so this is how we got the Elon Musk, because he was that free as a child. And it's exactly to your point, we are already holding back so many Einsteins and Elon Musk's and Martin Luther King's. We're holding them back because we're making them sell themselves to free people in order to eat. It's a it's a it's a flaw in the system and it's not malicious. Uh, I should say that that I'm very capitalist. I believe in private property. I believe in private inter enterprise. I believe in private land. Uh, I think those are important systems uh, that keep society healthy and functioning not everything needs to be run through public land through public option lands i believe in the public option uh, for medicare mm -hmm. for health but i also believe in private business uh private business is 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 uh, the engine uh, of our of our the car that is our society of course that said exactly. uh, that said people need to be free and it shouldn't just be the children of the wealthy uh, the children of the wealthy know that they can go out at 18 and try to start a bakery business on fifth avenue and when the bakery fails in the two years they know that uh, the loan they took if they had to take a loan depending on how wealthy they were even if they took a loan they know that okay i can go work for my father's establishment and pay that loan back in 10 years and then go try to open up a, a deli on ninth Right. Because they really want to sell food on the, one of the numbered streets. This is just what they want to do. Right. They can keep pursuing that over and over until they eventually succeed uh, because they're free. But people in the common, we have to sell ourselves doing something that's in doing something that's intrinsically extractive to our own wealth. We're giving more wealth to that company than we're getting from them. And we're giving them more energy uh, than uh, we're certainly giving them more energy and attention than they're giving us. And then we go home tired and then we tuck around and then we never get to pursue our dreams. Why is dream pursuit 
a limited activity? Why is it necessarily limited? It doesn't have to be. Our structure is making it that way. There's no rule that says only some people should be able to pursue their dreams and that's how you keep society healthy. No, more everybody, right? Everybody should be free. And the way we got here to this advanced society was by having a large number of free people. So the way that we're going to get to the next better, more advanced society is by having larger numbers of free people. Absolutely. 100%. That's exactly what it is. It's it's literally all about the freedom and people realizing, again, their intrinsic inherent value and also other people realizing that and then not having the struggle against that the entire time. You know, mm. like half the reason that conflict exists in general, well, I, I guess maybe this is the entire reason for conflict is a lack of um, of resource of mm. some kind of resource mm. at the end of the day. Mm. And that's that's why wars are fought that's why lands are divided it's why things happen the way that they do you take that away you you, you transition to a state of abundance which mm. we we are getting to in a way it's, it's going to take a lot more time but you know we started this talking about um lab grown meat you usually you, you you transition to abundance and to the point that you were making earlier i think that capitalism is at its absolute best in a, in a state of abundance because there's absolutely no limit and no infringing upon the rights of other people to have limits mm. a dream a dream becomes limited and it has to almost by by necessity because if everybody wants their dream if your dream was for example to um to rule over the entire united states as, mm. a, as a king mm. there can only be one person doing it mm. there's no there aren't two united states for even another person to do it so you have to compete you have to go against them you have to do everything however you transition to an abundance you don't have to you don't have to compete the same way it's more about you are maximizing yourself which is what you know capitalism is all about maximizing growth and potential you maximize into a limitless world and you don't necessarily have to stop somebody else in order to do it mm -hmm. that's the dream that's mm -hmm. the ultimate dream once you can do that then people are really off to the races nothing, nothing can stop you what it made me think of is that most people don't dream to be the king most people dream towards the common. And this isn't an idea that's carried with enough honor in our society. I know, personally know, tens of people, dozens of people who aspire, aspire to work and raise their family. That's what they want to do, right? They don't want to be mayor. They don't want to be governor. They don't want to be president. They don't want to they don't want to operate an international business. They don't want that. They don't dream towards that. They want to contribute to a company. Uh, you know, they want to work. They want to earn their way in their local community. Yes, maybe they want to volunteer, but they want to be good sons. They want to be good brothers. They want to be good sisters. They want to be good parents. They want to be good homeowners. That's their aspiration. And that aspiration is stomped on in our popular culture. In our popular culture, they say, oh, do you want the moon? You want the whole moon? Then you're just like us. <laughs> no, what about the people that don't want the whole moon, right? I just I just want to be a good brother. That's it, right? I, I just want to live a good life. Uh, we need to to honor the common so much more uh, than we do. And and basic income goes a long way towards that. Uh, you know, when, when, dude, that middle class, that America had in the 1950s, it was reserved for white people, but it was it was a nice example. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it was a shining example of what we as a species are still aspiring for. One income, two cars in a garage, single family home, 
stay one parent stay at home kids in the college paid for everything's paid for nice neighborhood barbecues you know that's the dream man. <laughs> that is the dream and we did it in america and now it's just about figuring out how to do it for for all the all the upcoming martians as well <laughs> Yeah, exactly, man. And, you know, it's funny that you, you mentioned the dream of the common. You know, like, it, it, it's weird that I use the example that I did because it, it was just, it, it's almost a, a, a malicious example in that it becoming a king means to subject people to other things. Owning the moon means to subject people to your will on the mm -hmm. moon. Mm -hmm. Really, if you don't, if you don't have to worry about these things, your goals are only going to be common anyway, because you're only worried about your your sphere of influence. The only reason people tend to want to own a massive business or become this powerful person is, again, to exert their will over more and more people. Yeah. And truthfully, technically, or at least I hope so, uh, psychologically, the only reason that people would want to do that is to make their surrounding, their, their environment better for them selfishly, personally, for their family, whichever. It's I would only sure I don't think I don't think that's the case. Uh, I would only argue that I think that's intrinsic. I think mm. some people just want all the power. I think there's that's a true. I think there's a section of the population uh, that just I I'm actually a member of that group. I I'll rule. I'll be king of the world. Yeah, yeah. I'll be king of the world. Yeah. Um. Sure. Why not? I'll be I'll be the I'll be the Xi Jinping of the world, a benevolent ruler of it. I think there's a subsection of the population that just has that intrinsically. Um. But I think to your point, most of us are want to do it for and have everyone else be happy with it. Right. Mo the, those of us that want to that are willing to rule and would would be willing to rule are in the disposition that I don't want to rule people that don't want me to rule them. Right. I don't want I don't want to be the kingdom of a land that hates their king. I don't want to be the despised king. Uh, I don't want that. I don't want that. I want to be the beloved king only. Right. So I want to be the king that people go, oh, yeah, I love the king. The king's always out in battle and doing battle and fighting and helping. And I trust the king and I believe he's, you know, about what he's about and, and he's making it better for all of us. I think that's to your point. Mm -hmm. and, and that's and that's the thing, you know, like you could argue at the end of the day, like the if if somebody was willing to follow you. You know that, that's not that's not even necessarily something that you can consciously do anything about. So you, maybe maybe you you having this show, you're out here talking, and you get um, you know some kind of cult following after this. It's not necessarily bad, but you're now a leader uh, de facto, whether you like it or not, and um, people are living on your whims. You do exactly what you said. Now that you understand that responsibility, you know that you you have put this thing out there, and people follow it, follow you by by creating it. You have a responsibility to keep them you know, happy for, for, for no reason of your own. And you're going to want to, to ensure that. And, and I, I think that's what happens in society too, to your point, like it is, it is intrinsic that people want to have power, but then also it's given to them, whether, whether they want it or not in mm, some cases. Mm, mm. And you have to be a steward of the, of the people that are in your care, because ultimately it's going to come back to you in some way, form or fashion. And it's, um, it's wild but that, that, exactly true. no this is this is socrates's philosopher king so if you if you dare to carry yourself as a philosopher king you better be prepared to accept the world on your shoulders and don't let it fall right if you're if you are willing to emulate xi jinping 
you better th- be thinking about the people of China and not just about your own family. Uh, you, it would be a disgrace to be that type of leader. And you know what? We just had four years with that type of leader. <laughs> he, he just ruled us for four years. What an ass. What an ass that guy was. Jeez Louise. I can't believe it. I'm so happy it's over. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this dude was he was powerful, right? He's a very powerful man. And all he cared about was himself. Now, I'm saying nothing. I'm saying absolutely nothing against the common, good Americans, hardworking Americans that believed that he was fighting for them. And still and still a lot of them still do. So I don't want to belittle them because uh, I, I don't have any bad feelings towards them. I believe they've been lied to uh, by the orange man in chief. I believe that he's not what he advertises himself to be. Uh, I believe that he's a bad actor, a dishonest actor who's out to enrich himself and his family. And I think he'll continue to show himself as that. Uh, And I hope to gain allegiance with the people that follow him in in some way. If it's only that we are both Americans, we believe in the Constitution. uh, I I had some principles that I was actually thinking of earlier that can unite us through these troubled times. One of them is civility, right? Civility Mm -hmm. And and for me, civility means no matter what you believe is true and no matter how differently I believe is true, I always wish upon you and your family physical safety. Always. Right. I I don't want any physical harm to come to you or, or financial or any harm, any sort of harm. I don't want any harm to come to you or your family, despite no matter how differently we disagree about theology or politics or religion or anything. Right. No, no matter how differently we disagree about the facts, I want you to have a safe journey home and I wish your family a healthy future. And I feel like that type of civility is what allow uh, people like us. Right. We're, we're bleeding heart liberals uh, would allow people like us to build bridges with them, with the people that have been taken in uh, by Donald Trump and his ilk. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely true. That's and you know it's funny because a lot of people a lot of people say that, but it 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 starts with extending that olive branch, and that's something that that all sides are barely willing to do because we're just so deeply divided at the mm-hmm. moment. That, that's truthfully what it is. You're absolutely right. It's civility. It's it's making the the other person comfortably understand that you are not trying to erase them from mm-hmm. from existence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just no. Exactly. Exactly. No. You're exactly right. It's it's and it's so sad that it uh, you know it, it's funny we, we 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 talked about this a little bit ago um, because we're we're both about the same age it never occurred to me that things could be divided like this because I thought that for some reason I I I, I, took, I gave the United States this um, this this humanistic characteristic that it was growing so we already went through the growing pains we had a civil war early in its history mm. and I I was you know I was locked dead and center about that for a long time growing up it's like we don't have to struggle anymore because we already struggled we've made it past things we've made it past civil war we've made it past suffrage we've made it past civil rights hmm. we we did it we accomplished it we're we're, we're great but the truth of the matter is that it wasn't it's it's just that we won some of the battles and i i think that's that's what got us into where we're at today battles were won wars especially ideological wars like these can't necessarily be won. And the only way that these things are going to continue the way I thought they were is if somebody comes into it with the idea that we said of civility, where yeah. I don't feel like it's an ex- existential threat against me to discuss politics with a with a Republican. Yeah. It's more like this is a different viewpoint and I can, I can be okay with the fact that maybe I'm not going to get what I need completely 
from working with this person, existing with this person, being in the same sphere of influence with this person. It's, it's wild. Yeah, I can say to to any uh, person who thinks that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president and the American uh, election has been stolen, I can say, look, I don't agree with you. I don't think you're right. You don't think I'm right, right? We have a disagreement about the, what the facts are about the election of 2020. That said, I'm glad to break bread with you. I wish you health and safety, right? You want some hot links? I'm putting on some hot links. You should have a hot link, right? This is this is how I feel towards uh, my common Americans because we're in this we're in this boat together, uh, you know. Uh, and I think that one thing that basic income can do that it doesn't get enough enough talking about that I hear is it's it has kind of a nationalistic flavor. Now nationalism. Uh, in our circle, it certainly gets thrown around like an insult, right? Uh, what are you, what are you a nationalist, right? Are you thinking nationalist lines? If we instant the first, so basic income will have a first mover benefit, just like Bitcoin has the first mover benef- benefit of being the first major crypto on the scene. And so now people are pumping it up to what's it, forty six something now, something ridiculous <laughs> yeah. like that. So people, you know, I, Bitcoin is inherently useless in my opinion. Uh, I'm also bitter that i'm not on the train and so i'm aware that i'm putting that stink on it but it's also an inherently useless currency but i guess all currency is inherently useless if you use that argument anyway the um, basic income will have a first mover benefit for the first nation that implements it significantly if we do it first the the boom that will come to the american common economy economy will reverberate and resonate for hundreds of years hundreds of years america will remain the innovative creative cultural hub uh, that we've always imagined it to be it's absolutely true uh, i i can't imagine anything else it would literally be a new renaissance age because mm. of all these people that we you know like this and it would be an entire culture that is now brought up to what is our middle class now uh, able to able to have the ability to do things unlike ever before and constantly improving it it would become a beacon it would be reminiscent of the the society we were just talking about the post-world war ii society mm. where you know like we were lucky we were unscathed from a war that tore apart the rest of the world so we were able to industrialize and become who we are today take that again let it let it become this new age of freedom of choice of people being able to do what they truly believe and like you said hundreds of years if not more of amazing tech advancement in general across all across all across all standards it's it's ridiculous and then we could have the real meaningful conversations that we need to have about whether this election was stolen or not. Uh, I don't think that this is just going to go away. And this is also more, a little bit more to uh, general McChrystal's point. Uh, The fact that Trump's out of office doesn't mean that these ideas are going away. The ideas that, that stormed the Capitol, right? Um, I mean, imagine really believing that the election has now, actively now been stolen imagine the person talking from the oval office every time you hear him talk you think you stole that election these people have to be boiling now today you know the 10th right they've got to be boiling uh and seeing their comrades or i'm calling them comrades i don't know if i meant to use that as an insult or not uh, calling their their compatriots that's a better word calling their compatriots or look seeing their compatriots get arrested uh that's got to be so upsetting it's got to be. 
Yeah, it, it, it again, it's an existential crisis for them. Because like you said, if this was the other way around and we, we had what we believe was proof that an election was stolen, our process, our government and the way it's supposed to work is being completely taken over, I would be fighting too because I believe in it. I, I absolutely believe in it. I, I, I have my, my, my reason for doing it and I would, and I would not be consolable until somebody showed me something else. What but do I you think, what do you think oh, we can do? No, to, to that, to the, just asking you along those lines, what do you think we can do to console them, to show them something else? The, the only thing it can be is universe, uni, unifying principles because mm. truthfully what, what's happening is the erosion of faith in in the system mm. and, and that's probably out of all the things that could have possibly been it's not even just disagreement it's an erosion of faith these these people that storm the capital believe that you know we we broke the process so the process no longer exists but even worse than that so like we're, we're sitting here on the other side of it as liberals watching the impeachment trial and we know damn well that because of the way that the the senate rules work Trump is not going to be, uh, you know, he's not going to be convicted. Mm. He's he's not going to be voted against unless some kind of miracle all of a sudden changes the minds of the Republicans. But you know, you know, history shows that's never it's not going to happen. That's not fair to me either. The it's it's obvious. It's one hundred percent obvious that crimes were committed. Our country was hijacked, mm. and this was literally the this was literally the second most dangerous thing that has ever happened to this country outside of civil war. Mm. It, it's madness. I, I'm starting to lose faith in the system. If we can't convict somebody that did something like this, and it leaves open this door for somebody to do the same exact thing, whether in you know, um, you know, like, like they were saying, you have this January exception where presidents just run wild and do all this stuff, and it's not what the people actually wanted. It's just what ended up happening by some loophole. That's not a system. That's not a system that works because because of the merits of what it is. It's a system that just is, mm. and. I won't believe in it either. And I'm going to I'm going to fight against it. And my beliefs are going to start to get hard set, too. So the only way that we can do this is we have to we have to get faith in the system again, which means that we have to pass legislation that gets people to believe that the system is actually working in their favor. So ironically, the the last thing that the, the, the only thing that I can think of is UBI, because, um, you know, as Yang proved, it's it's something that goes across um partisan lines it's not it's not about like oh well this is a democratic like no it's something that anybody can believe and many many of the deepest hardest conservatives actually bought in and believed with him it's mm. just that you know it's still it's still a young idea it still has a lot of stuff to get through but it has to be something like that something that unifies people and makes them realize you know what the system worked for me and it worked for them and that's that's great it worked for everybody it didn't just work mm. for my team. It didn't just work for their team. You know, it's not it's not the new healthcare where this is the Republican healthcare. This is the Democrat healthcare. This is the whatever healthcare. Mm. No, this is the American healthcare, mm. which you know is starting to sound like what Biden is talking about with all the unity and stuff. But it's not just saying I want unity. It's not just pretending that we have to take other people's um, perspectives into account. It's kind of like somebody that can think above and past all of this tribalism mm -hmm. to see what actually unifies people gets it to pass and then people will start to complain less because they don't have things to complain about no that's a great point that's a great point if we want to if we want to get to the the far point of 
pursuing truth and facts about the 2020 election, which at this point is a far point. We need to get some wins under our belt to even get us walking together in that same direction. Something like a national health care, something like a basic income, something that is a powerful win for the common across party lines. And then we have that movement and then we then we can just keep walking towards understanding the elected president, you know, trust in our democracy. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in any relationship, they say trust is the first thing to go and last to come back or something like that. I've heard that phrase used before. Uh, you know, people now we have Americans that don't trust the vote. That's dangerous. We're, we're so so no longer are we approaching the dangerous time. We're in it. This is the dangerous time. Right. We're this is we're now we're here now. Right. We, are, we aren't coming. You're not coming to the hood anymore. You're in the hood now. Right. This is this is hood now. Uh, there are people that don't believe the sitting president is legitimate. So if we want to heal this divide, which I certainly do, one of the and this is to your argument, one of the things that we have to do is get a legislative win for the people. And that should mm-hmm. that can come in the form of national health care, uh, basic income that we're arguing for. Maybe 15 is going to come. I don't know that I'm a big fan of the 15. What do you think about 15, National 15? Um, I, actually, I, I apologize. I'm not sure what the National 15 $15 is. minimum wage. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, so honestly, it's not enough. Uh, and I mm. know that um, that some progressives came in. I, my, my thing is that it's not a number that I'm shooting for. Instead, it's a matching. Matching mm. to the um, – oh, man, I'm forgetting what the number or what the – there's there's some I, I cannot think of it. I'm just gonna say the uh, no, that's not that's not even right. Living wage. Match it to inflation, or yeah, it has to at least be a, a living wage, mm. and it rises with inflation constantly. Mm. Whatever whatever is set, whatever whatever becomes a living wage, match to inflation constantly. Mm-hmm. Never never a question. It's not something that gets voted on every every you know whatever year in a reconciliation bill. No, it's absolutely outside of politic that it gets raised because that's what it's supposed to be and it's either that or ubi i i will take one or the other but mm. i will it cannot be less anything less is a joke because the idea of a minimum wage is to be by its definition a minimum amount to live mm-hmm. if you're not mm-hmm. actually getting that it's a lie mm-hmm. and 15 dollars, you know it's great it's, it's ridiculous because before this it was nationally seven less than seven dollars or something like that like or seven uh, it was seven something for non-tipped employees and it was 250 for tipped employees or something like that exactly it's that's that is that is embarrassing and a joke in in the in the world that we live in now it can't it cannot be like that and I, i'm literally on the the side where it's like you know, I know that businesses for especially for small businesses it affects them a lot it changes their entire way of doing business mm. and everything but it's my my whole thing is that again this is for the common it's better for the the actual people at large as a group the the people at large is the group and so if if business has to suffer a little bit for this transition to happen so that that can happen i'm all for it and it's 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 somewhat anti-capitalist but it's only i only believe in that for a minute because once all of those people become able to participate in the economy the way that they're supposed to the capitalist society will actually be better than it was. That's that's kind of the whole point. Capitalism cannot work if people cannot participate in it, and it will it will collapse in on itself if there is not enough people to spend money and do things, and they won't have the money to do it if they're not making enough to 
even stay alive. If you have mm-hmm. to sit there and choose between buying a PlayStation Five and having rent, you're 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 not. You're, people are going to buy the rent, and it's not going to you know the economy is not going to grow the way that you want to, which is going to stall everything else. It's it's a multi-functioning spiral of stupidity. And really, the, the real answer is UBI. But if we're going to talk about minimum wage, then yeah, it has to at least be livable and it has to be matched in the Yeah, yeah. I'm, I was pushed meaningfully on this t- topic with a friend of mine who's from uh, somewhere in the Midwest. I want to say Montana, but I'm not exactly certain. But a small town nonetheless. And he said he said a $15 minimum wage would kill my town. Uh, he said none of the businesses will be able to afford it. And it just doesn't make any sense for the economy that I grew up in. And so he's called calling for a national $15 minimum wage is too blunt of an instrument. Uh, you know, you is using a hammer when you need a scalpel. Uh, and so I'm think that I lean now more towards something like a living wage as defined by the states and counties. So let, San Francisco raise their living wage just, and just replace the whole concept of minimum with living, right? So let San Francisco raise their living wage to something like $22 an hour, which is what it needs to be in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And that way, small town Michigan can set their living wage at whatever makes sense for their economy. And the people in that economy will tell you, you know, somebody from West Virginia will tell you, I don't need $15 an hour to live. If you give me 10 bucks, I can get a one bedroom house (laughs) right in some parts of West Virginia. You know, give me $10 an hour, uh, you know, because the cost of living is pretty low around here and there's not much people. And forcing $15 on us means, and I'm trying to argue for people in the Midwest, which I probably shouldn't do, but I'm going to do it anyway. Somebody from this town might say, look, trying to force $15 on us means the barber can't pay anyone, means the, mm-hmm. the butcher can't pay anyone because they can't afford that. They don't have that type of profit. They are operating with those margins, right? It's it's forcing the idea of big city margins onto areas that don't have those economies. Why? And that's what 15 does, right? 15 is something imagined from Washington, D.C., because that's what makes sense in Washington, D.C., $15 an hour. But it doesn't make sense in every town. Um, in my city, you know, I live in Santa Ana, L.A. County. 15 makes kind of sense for us. I think our minimum's going up to 17. Should Maybe it's going up to 15. I don't know. It's kind of expensive to live here in Southern California. It makes sense for us, that number. But, it, but I am aware that that number doesn't make sense for everyone. So we should leave it to the state's. And the counties to argue for a living wage that makes sense for their local economies, right? Use a scalpel where the scalpel is needed, not a hammer. Yeah, no, that's that's true, and that's the that's literally the entire point of the United States um, divisions. You know, like that that it takes the federal the federal level to mandate a standard that the states can then argue about what that suits them. Because mm. you're absolutely right. You mm. know, I, um, somebody in Ohio can rent a house for. a month. Whereas in San Francisco, it could cost you upwards of 3000. Like Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the same. It's just scary because what ends up happening is that, um, you know, like I just, I want to change your upwards of renting a house in San Francisco, probably more like seven K a month. It's ridiculous. You can, you can rent an apartment in in downtown LA for five K a month, one bedroom, two bedrooms. I I couldn't even, I was trying to be high. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's how that's how sad and disgusting it is. Um, and, and, you know, like 
it, it's it's just crazy because the disparity is that large and just because of the way local things work but that's that's the thing it has to be it has to be federally mandated that this conversation must happen and it must be you know acceptable mm. because mm. the only thing that i fear is that you know like, let's say that the, the states do battle it out as it, as it turns out you know um some things that should be federally mandated across everywhere um depending on you know your, your as well especially with social causes you know so let's say we give everything the state's rights and just say states are for themselves. They can control whatever they want to. You get some places that agree that, you know, um, not only that gay sect or gay gay marriage is not allowed, but mm -hmm. also that, um, you know, um, mixing of races is not allowed or so whatever uh, terrible social thing that you can think of. Mm -hmm. If the states if the states have it, because it, it just depends on who's in that state. And I mm -hmm. mean, technically. Mm -hmm. The people that live there are the people that decided it. It was the democracy works the way that it does. Mm. All I care about is that if there's something that should be federally around, it, you know, you have to you have to mandate the idea that these kinds of things happen. And they, we've done it before. So as mm. long as we can do that, I, I agree. I, I don't mind the states being in control of it as long as they agree on what a livable wage means. As long as some person in uh, Podunk, Alabama doesn't come into power and says, yeah, well, you know, uh, a livable wage just means that you can literally afford to eat enough food to survive mm -hmm. and have a subsistence life. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on the same page, right? I'm, I, I, my approach is you leave it, you start it, you start it in the counties and the states, right? That's where the, that's where the policy starts. That's where the discretion starts at the local mm -hmm. level. And then when the locals can't decide when, when counties can't get their act together, then it goes to the state to say, okay, I'm the state, I'm going to be the arbiter of you counties that can't get your can't get it together. And when the states can't get it together, then it goes to the feds. Okay, okay, you states can't get. So in the case of race, this is what we did in the 60s, right? The the locals and the states couldn't get it together on a race. They couldn't stop discriminating. Uh, they said, nah, we're just black kids aren't going to school going to go to school with us. And the feds and as a nation, we had to go. Okay, well, we got to kick it up to the feds then because these states aren't uh, behaving in a way that we think as a nation is amenable to our continued thriving as a nation uh, and this is what this argument is about right this the the mm -hmm. external of the externality of common behavior whenever a a, a a waiter is underpaid in rural alabama that affects me in los angeles because that means that he is tired and he's not having that kid that he wants to have and he's not pursuing that dream that he wants to pursue and now my kids are missing out on something that they might get because he had to sell himself for less than he was worth right we're all we're all affected uh, i think jordan peterson puts the argument together that there's no difference between your future self your great grandkids and your neighbor's great grandkids conceptually those are all the same person right the the person who's walking along the street in 2090 at point x that could be your great grandkid that could be you that could be your neighbor's great grandkid conceptually abstractly morally ethically there's no differentiating that group and so it's mm -hmm. time for us to behave in to think in that reality uh, yeah and so in that case yeah let's have the feds say okay you guys have to hammer out a wage above. I just don't like see 15, 15 sets, sets it too high. I'm arguing uh, for a lot mm -hmm. of nations. So I would say, I would say you have to 
you have to get back to us. This is what the Fed should say. The Fed say you have to get back to us within six months, right? It can't take forever. Within six months with something that you call a living wage that you're going to put to your state for a vote, a number, right? And maybe Virginia is going to come back with 12. Maybe Montana is going to come back with 14 and California is going to come back with 16, right? Everybody's going to come back with a different number because that's fine. Right. That's fine that the numbers be different across states. Economies are different across states. It doesn't have to be one. But that, but I agree that take action, Joe. Right. I don't like I don't like Joe Biden. I'm not a Joe Biden mm-hmm. fan. Uh, I didn't vote for Joe Biden. I wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden. He wasn't. Well, where was Joe Biden on my list? My list probably would have been Andrew. Bernie. Tulsi. I don't know. I don't really care after that. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe Kamala. Maybe I don't know. She was. I I really like her Mesca Act. Have you seen that? Oh no, I haven't seen the that. Mesca Act. She put that forward in May. I think it was her and Bernie. It was two thousand dollars retroactive to March, true all the way through three months after the end of the pandemic for every American. That's what the Mesca Act was. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's super powerful starting position. Uh, and of course, you know, that wasn't going to go through in, in that form, but that's a great starting position. Yes. Exactly. Start there. Two thousand dollars a month for everybody. Now what? That's the that's where that's the opening volley. Uh, I was all for that, man. Uh, it's still alive. I mean, it's still a bill. I think it's in the house. I don't know that they passed it. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. My goodness. That... Yeah, yeah. Put it up there, man. Shoot it. Shoot the shoot the checks. Can you believe this dude has cut? Already, they've already cut the checks down to fourteen hundred from two K, <laughs> and now they're talking. Or have you heard of whether they're going to land on shooting us to fourteen K? Are they going to make it even less or give it to fewer people? Have you been following that? heard i heard that they're really standing with the 14 but they had to because the republicans never um never agreed at all and they came with their with their palsy 600 billion students mm. they were going to do the um they were going to do a reconciliation bill so that it could pass with just the the simple majority instead of the the bigger majority so i think the 1400 is going to come through but i'm with you it was when we talked about this it wasn't it wasn't a two thousand dollar total net yeah um, no no that's that the it shouldn't have been 600 before it should have been 2000 yes it should be 2000 now it should yes be 2000 it should be retroactive it should be oh my goodness it's yeah. terrible it went through the, the worst but yeah, I'll get off the soapbox. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. you can soapbox. We're on. We're standing on a soapbox together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it's ridiculous. You know, people were suffering. The economy was shut down. Or, you know, warranted, but still, business businesses suffered. People suffered. They they put a moratorium on the rent. Thank goodness, so that people couldn't get um, evicted mm-hmm. or anything. But. Mm-hmm. People still need to recover from this. Just because you stop the bleeding doesn't mean that you fix the problem. Mm-hmm. It just means that the bleeding stopped. We need to. We need to IV now. We need to come back. We need to come back and be, you know, the six billion dollar man. Well, in this case, I guess it will be the six trillion dollar. Yeah. All the spending, but I don't care. Incur the debt. Clearly, nobody cares. If we can, if we can, you know, incur debt because we instituted a stupid, stupid as hell tax plan that mm-hmm. didn't benefit anybody mm-hmm. except for idiots. We can we can we can help the people out. And to get back to what we were talking about before, you give people a bunch of cash, however it is, even if it's not UBI in this case, give them retroactive two thousand dollars a month, and then going forward for another year, mm. oh, people people will be okay. People will be on board. They're not. It's not going to solve your problems, but at least then they're not again worrying about their survival from day to day. Yeah, Jesus. it's time for it's time for the American common to exist in the center of our discourse. 
right? We aren't the second option. We why are we playing second fiddle to Wall Street, right? Why are why is it that okay we need to get some money out there because it's a pandemic? Let's give four trillion dollars to Wall Street and give a thousand, give twelve hundred bucks to everyone else. And then they say, oh, well, the, the number is actually much larger for the people. Why are you giving $4 trillion to Wall Street? Give that to us. Give us $4 trillion. Forget Wall Street. Wall Street, what, what, you're gonna, you're gonna, what, what are they, what's going to happen if the guys on Wall Street vanish? If they, lose, if they stop being Wall Streeters, right? If they stop buying mm-hmm. leather chairs and glass tables and glass doors and renting offices? What, what happens to the economy? Nothing. Nothing. What happens to the schools? What happens to the farms? What happens to the restaurants? What happens to the to the to the taxi drivers and the Uber drivers and the and all our local businesses? Nothing. Right? We don't need them. We don't need them. They need us. We're the center of this this country, uh, the common or the center, and so that's where the money should go. That's where the money should have gone. Um, that's what I argue for. Just don't even give it to Wall Street. So back, my mom got a house. And she went backwards on it back in the in the crisis, mm-hmm. and they when they the bank started coming for people's houses, Bernie was the only voice that I heard. Now this was an idea that I thought up on my own. I just thought of this. I said, "Wait a minute, they're going to give money to the banks so the banks don't go out of business." But what if you just paid for the people's houses on behalf of the people? Then the banks get their money. And people stay in their houses, right? This was an idea that I thought of. And then I found Bernie saying the same thing. <laughs> Bernie saying, why don't you just pay the, why don't you just pay the banks on behalf of the people? The banks get the same amount of money, except the people stay in their houses. And then they go, oh, uh, this is what the, the powerful elite conservatives think. Oh, but that creates a moral hazard. Then people are just going to go borrowing willy nilly and expecting the government to bail them out. And we can't have that. But what we can have is we can have banks giving predatory loans to anyone because they can know they can sell the debt and then the government's going to bail them out. So that's not the moral hazard. No, no, no. The banks can behave any way they want. But the American people have to be held to a higher moral standard than the banks. Right. We're crazy. It's I told you I'm on the soapbox with you. I'm on the bo- we're on the box together. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. I, uh, I, I, uh, the whole the whole thing, the whole thing, the fact that like you know, like I don't even know where to begin. I have so many, I have so many feelings about this. I, I guess I'll just say this: I am so tired. I am so tired of this idea that if you pay money towards the top, somehow that rescues the bottom. Somehow this money cascades down and influence ca- cascades down and suddenly everybody's okay because, oh, yeah, we took care of the, the businesses and Wall Street and the rich. No, I'm, I'm done. That, that doesn't work. It flows up. Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite. You give you put money in the hands of the people, just like you said, and we're the ones that support this shit. You want you want to you want to stimulus the economy? Give people money yeah. so they can have an economy. That, that's, that's how that's you do it. it. There's, there's none of this support the businesses so they can invest overseas oh man, oh man i'm it's it's let, a let us choose there's a reason why amazon is one of the best companies of all time one of the best companies in the world one of the best companies of all time because we chose amazon when amazon was competing with ebay we chose amazon when amazon was competing with barnes and nobles we chose amazon 
right when it, exactly. when it was when it was Amazon or something else we chose Amazon because they have incredible customer service that's why Amazon's the best company in the world not cuz the american federal government showered it with tax benefits which they've done but that's not why it's the best company in the world we chose it exactly. right you give you give us the power and we make good decisions that's what democracy is about so this crony capitalist economy that we have today is antithetical to the spirit of the democratic idea the democratic idea is based on the hope it's actually a hope and it's a faith because we don't know it's a hope and a faith that whatever ultimately comes out of the common will carry us all that's the hope and the faith of the of giving power to the people now frederick nietzsche said it's a stupid idea you're going to burn yourself into the ground okay freddie thanks right gotcha freddie your little, your little asshole, gotcha. Thank you. We're gonna do democracy anyway because uh, there are more of us than you. So you just keep writing your little books. Exactly. Uh, to put it to put it succinctly in another um, stupid analogy, a rising tide raises all ships. If a ship mm-hmm. has a hole in it, it's not gonna rise. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let that stop everything else. If you raise the the floor, everybody is better. Straight up. End of story. There. It, Everything proves it. There, there is no conversation about. It. I don't. <laughs> Freddie, Freddie needs to check himself. I, I get yeah. where he's coming from. It's like th- there's more to it. With all that. due respect, Frederick Nietzsche is a literary genius. So I'm just I'm throwing a, <laughs> I'm throwing a stone at Goliath when I do that. I know it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even if he was here, he probably wouldn't even care. But it's like I, I'm bigger I, than I Frederick Nietzsche. He couldn't he couldn't say nothing to my face. All he could do, all he Frederick Nietzsche would be the worst internet troll. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he would be so bad. He would cut you down in a tweet that would make you quit your job and move home. That's what that's what he would do, no doubt. But he wouldn't say anything to your face. He was a, he was a small pale person who was scared of women, but he was an incredible genius when it came to writing books and and cutting apart people's psychology. What are you excited about? these days what are you what are you looking forward for 2021 justin you know man um it's interesting because again all i all i spend my time doing is looking at the future and to get to get weirdly personal like it was was through a depression you know i realized Hmm. that i was looking forward because so many things were depressing me and the reason so many things were depressing me is because of the the path that we just happened to land on in life. We're millennials. We were born right at about the same time. So we went through the same exact kind of things. We went through this period of the 90s where, uh, you know, I, I would call that the closest to the, the post-war happiness and goodness that uh, there was. Everything seemed at least hopeful then. And it had been a, a, continu- a continuing series of hopefulness. The Amer- American culture was getting stronger and I felt it. I felt it as a kid without knowing it. I'm, I'm speaking in retrospect, but mm. I felt that optimism and hope, even as a child. It wasn't perfect, but it was on a path. It was on a path to being good. But then, um, you know, it was just like hit after hit after hit. It was, um, it was Bush getting elected, which again, I didn't know that was a problem until it became a problem. And then that led to 9-11 happening. And that led to, um, you know, to the recession happening, <laughs> which stunted, it stunted everything about millennial growth in, in general. And, mm. and I felt it a lot. And, uh, you know, like I, my, my mom passed away and all this stuff. Mm. I just didn't feel hopeful about anything that was like happening right now. So I looked toward the future and I was like, what gets us out of this? What, what brings us out of this? And so, I, you know, I, I bought into all that stuff. But now... 
what I'm what I'm excited about. I'm just excited to be in a world that's post Trump all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's I'm still riding that wave, man. <laughs> this is, Isn't this it is like so the, cool to be in this version of the version of the Twilight Zone where he doesn't get reelected? Because you know there's exactly. a version where he gets reelected. <laughs> I know 2024. Yeah. Oh my god. It better not, and it better not be anybody else either. Like we said, you know, Trumpism is not—it's not the man; it's the—it's the movement, the thought. And um, I remember hearing on NPR they were talking about how um, Don Jr. was going to become the next person because he has all this um, this credit with the, with the group. It's like, no, mm. please, I, I can't, I can't deal with that anymore. But I'm just, I'm just so happy to be outside of this shit now because now we can focus again. You know, it's not perfect. Joe Biden is a much less than savory choice for us, but like. Oh my God, we have working politicians again. We have, uh, I hate to parrot the stupid same phrase, we have adults in office again that mm. actually care about doing their job. So instead of literally spending all of their time arguing about scandals and spending weeks and weeks and weeks on impeachments and stupid shit like that, or you know, having to um, choose new cabinet members literally every two months, we have people that are going to get the job done. At least we are back to at least having a fighting chance to being about issues. And that provides me with a sense of calm that I have not I have not felt in in even five years, because as as Trump was getting elected and it it became more and more obvious that things were going to be terrible. It it was sad. And I I think that if anything, the world has grown um, to know, you know, if if nothing else, we know a hell of a lot more about politics and and political systems than we did before and uh, we all we all survived it together and um as the pandemic hopefully comes so close with the vaccine and everything i guess all i'm saying is that now i'm excited because it's like i have a renewal a renewed sense of what life is and once all of this stuff gets back to uh, an acceptable level of normal i'm excited to just be alive and be able to do things like normal it's like we had to go through this purge of massive massive seriousness in order to get to some kind of level of normalcy but at the same time this is all a hope and a chance all of the things that were still problems are still out there i I don't know that any of them are going to get fixed at the same time (laughs) so um i'm just weirdly optimistic i guess i hear it it's because you know trump can be described definitely uh, as someone who takes all the oxygen out of the press room Right. Or, or out of the if if the press is a space with oxygen in it, he sucks all the oxygen out because uh, you have to talk about Trump with every breath. Uh, and that's that was true for four years. And so now having been trapped with Trump in our homes for nine months uh, and just going and, and you're you're talking about a possible 2021, some moment in 2021 where you can sit inside of a restaurant inside of a packed restaurant without worrying about getting sick and talk about something other than Donald Trump. <laughs> no, you don't have to wake up every single day, especially on the West coast. Cause shit was already happening on the East coast and say to yourself, Oh God, what the hell happened today? Like you get to wake up, you get to go out, you get to breathe the air and not feel like your life is constantly in the state of, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. So I guess let's let's kick let's kick that off right. Uh, what <laughs> what futurology? Just thinking about the subreddit futurology. So we talked about AI uh, and AGI specifically. What other ideas about uh, the near term kind of sci fi future are you excited about? Oh man, so many things. I, I guess um, the most approachable becoming. Um, 
like self-driving cars mm. and and quantum computing self-driving mm. cars mostly because again you know like you you go back to about the, like 1998 or something you know we're teenagers we're just going through this stuff if you would have told me the idea of what a self-driving car is i i that's that's my my sci-fi nerd coming out i was like oh my goodness i get to be in a car that drives itself this is high future this is this is the kind of stuff this is unbelievable this is this is literal science fiction and it's it's here now not not only is it like here now but it's in its infancy and we haven't really we haven't really grasped what that's going to do. I mean, on the one side, yes, it's going to take away um, potentially millions of jobs because that's one of the biggest job sectors in our economy is driving in general. But the amount of freedom that it gives back to people in various ways, not just to, on their commute to work, but it, even just being able to have the freedom to relax. You know, whoever the driver is, is technically um, is technically bound to this contract of keeping the people in the car alive. So you have to pay attention to what's going on mm-hmm. and you have to, you have to suffer with the stress of whatever traffic, whatever the hell is going on in the outside environment of your car, take that away. And you suddenly become a passenger in the car. Again, everyone's a passenger in the car. Does that mean, does it mean more conversation with whoever you're riding with because you can actually focus on it correctly? Mm-hmm. Does it mean like a transformation of what it means to to be alive you know like having an rv is suddenly like i can travel around the country constantly um you know just as a more what well, i'm marauding um a uh, a i'm forgetting the word nomad so a person nomad there we go just a nomading person going around and it brings an entirely new culture of people just experiencing what the country has to offer because again now you're not trapped where you are you can get somewhere else without having to concentrate on it you literally go to sleep trust in the system wake up in a new place and see what it has to offer all the time it will and you know like especially after this pandemic it's it's almost like a new kind of quarantine in a way because now you're just taking your life wherever you want it to go it's just it's a it's a level of freedom that i'm excited about because nothing has ever happened like that not 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 in this way and not in not in any kind of plausible circumstance it's just interesting i'll tell you one one, of the things that uh just on before you i I do want you to go to that one but before we leave self-driving one of the things that excites me about self-driving is that it transforms a life draining commute into a life affirming commute right and so Mm -hmm. it takes that that hour or two hours of my day depending on where you live from just sitting staring break no break break no break little bitty ass break no break radio right it takes that away and it turns into an hour in which i can read i can write i'm i'm by myself i can i can record something i can be creative you know it it just gives me some little extra office time uh it's, so it transforms this this drain to a productive hour, and I'm excited about that concept of it. Exactly, and and again, it's it's it, it's consistent with that theme of everything else that we're talking about, where it just brings a it brings a freedom that you could not have otherwise, mm. and uh, while at the same time giving you the benefit of being able to get somewhere else. You know, like you could have free time by just staying at home or you know working from home, but now you can actually enjoy the the commute because you you get that back. When I was taking public transportation when I could, when I lived um, in Downey and was commuting to El Segundo, it was amazing because I could do exactly that thing. It's not the same, you know, it's not like I wasn't guaranteed a seat and stuff like that. But if I was um, or if I had the chance, I could read, I could listen to music, I could mm-hmm. relax and I was mm-hmm. not going gas break, gas break, stop mm-hmm. hours of time. Like it, it's it's incredible. And just to have the have both of the, the or the best of both worlds in that way where you're getting somewhere and you have the free time and you have it alone, if it. it or you have the ability to do it alone mm-hmm. uh, and not worry about anything. It's it's outrageously amazing. 
<laughs> it is. It is. What was the other thing? So um, the other thing. So it's funny. As I was explaining that, I was like, oh, I'm going to jump to something else. I don't even like the other one anymore. And now I forgot what that one was. So I'm just going to go back to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my mind's moving too fast. Uh, quantum computing. Um, mm. And so I'll, I'll admit it. Like, I'm not I'm not aware enough of what this means. But the reason that it it fascinates me, the reason why it's so amazing is because just based on the history of computing and what happened when computers came into um oh never mind now i remember so i'll, I'll bridge this into that i guess it's vr i'm just gonna say that so i can remember to come back to it mm. <laughs> but um but quantum computing is this it's it's this brand new system of computing and it's in its absolute infancy and it's able to it's able to solve problems that normal computing just cannot do not not or at least it can't it either it's either that normal computing cannot do it or it can't do it in a reasonable sense of time it would take hours years etc time mm. for it to, to work out this conclusion the the thing that's exciting is not the fact that like i'm not i'm not trying to sit here and be like oh yeah i have the latest quantum computer at my house i don't think that it's going to matter much to me what i'm excited about is the fact that it can be used in things um to make calculations that we haven't really been able to consider yet. We're limited by our understanding of what's possible with computers. Now we're, it's like we're opening a door to an entire new field, which allows us to compute new things that we couldn't even begin to think about. Mm. Um, and, and the concept of that is exciting to me. I have no idea what te- kind of technology comes out of that, what kind of world-breaking sense of things, because, you know, again, if you go back to the time before computers, nobody could have thought about what an internet was. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. become the most prolific, mind-expanding, uh, worldwide technology there is. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what um, what quantum computing would do, and I imagine that it would tie in with an a- with an AI at the same time, and it would just become beyond. <laughs> I'm imagining, so let's say we use the quantum computers to figure out exactly what all of our DNA is doing right so we use it to unlock because right now uh there's a scientific it's not a consensus it's just kind of a a a gap in scientific understanding about what most of the genetic code is we call it junk dna but we but that's just a that's kind of a joke name because we know it's we know it's not junk right we know it's not doing nothing it wouldn't just be sitting there if it wasn't doing anything it's there for something but we don't know why uh, and that's most of the most of the genetic code, most of the genome. So what if we use quantum cu- computing to figure out the genome to get an even to get an understanding of genetic biology that's not possible without quantum computers, then we can create analog organisms that act as computers. So we can create protein, uh, chemical, genetic little let's say bacteria that are themselves computers because we understand it at that level. And then we can create biological computers because maybe quantum computing will open the way to artificial life, but not artificial life in terms of artificial computer intelligence, you know, digital, but artificial life in terms of we make the genetic code because we know exactly what sequence will create what type of little thing that we want to create yep exactly it's kind of and, fun and to think about <laughs> yeah the, the, the prospect of that is is again it's like it's it's the it's new humanity mm. era because that, the the stuff that we're talking about it, it's almost beyond comprehension and we like even even talking about 
that creating artificial forms of life. The, the, the best thing I can think about is, you know, everybody's talking about how bees are um, are disappearing because of pesticides and uh, magnetic waves and et cetera, et cetera. You create something that performs the function as a bee. It doesn't have to necessarily be a robotic, a machine, hmm. non-organic. Now you, you've created something that can fulfill that thing that is um, that is immune to to environmental factors or whatever whatever way that it is. And boom or you create something that pollinates better the, mm, the, mm. like the the possibilities are ridiculous <laughs> you can't you can't you can only begin to think about the the forefront you can't even you can't even imagine what the implications would be you know like just imagine 30 years from now if, if, if quantum computing really starts to take off in the next 10 30 years from now will be unrecognizable it, it's it's ridiculous true if somebody thought of the uh you know if we if we talked about the internet in the what 1830s the best they'd probably be able to do is what you mean i can you mean you can talk to somebody from or whenever you know the telephone yeah. was about as far as the imagination could go you mean i could talk to somebody on the other side of the world yeah you know they wouldn't have thought of data stores and networks and and what computing has meant for the economy and what it's meant for space travel i mean that's just all that was unfathomable right um exactly yeah so what we can even fathom on the other side of quantum computing isn't close to what's actually there <laughs> doesn't even approach it exactly and then you know like what's even rid more ridiculous is it's a new form of computing and it can be combined with with like normal computing mm. so I, the, the it's not just you know, even a new technology, it's a new expansive technology based on and compatible with one that we already have. So it's, it's like an exponential growth. It's not it's not just a growth. It's a it's an it's an outrageous growth, mm. because who knows how a regular computer is enhanced by being connected to a, a quantum computer, where like, what kind of what kind of things do you solve with that? That it, it just it, it <laughs> I, I get lost in the. No, I mean I'm excited with you, man. Do you think we're gonna? Do you think we're gonna get there in our adult lives? How far do you think quantum computing is gonna get in our adult lives? That's the thing, you know. It, it's the 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 funny thing about futurology on Reddit. Um, when I found it, uh, and I know I'm going on a on a tangent, but I'll bring it back. What the reason I didn't talk about self driving cars is because that was the first thing that thoroughly convinced me that this stuff is not just um you know it's not just like me watching Discovery Channel like oh this is gonna be the, the year twenty one thousand. Um, this stuff was already happening. Mm. I'll still never forget the day that I saw the um, the the first Google um, Google self driving car video that that changed my life. It showed this this guy that was talking about how he was going to go out and use a car, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. It's an advertisement, but he was blind, so he got in the car and he was doing all this stuff. It, it was literally he, can't, he cannot interact. You know, he's not going to see a stop sign, and it, it wasn't it wasn't even just that. It wasn't just a stop sign. It went through all of the traffic signals. He went to a drive through, and I'm just sitting there like, how is that? How is that possible? Wow. No, but and that was that was when I first found out about this stuff in like 2013. It was it was mind blowing. So when when I hear about you know when I go on Futurology and I find out that you know. Quantum computing is not a it's not an idea anymore. It's actually they have it. It's just that they're limited by how it can exist because they have to be cooled to an outrageous degree. Mm. You know, like it's not a question of will we see it? I'm it, we see it now. It's just I I cannot wait for the day that it becomes, you know, it has its first real world 
serious impact. And I so know, kind I'm, of I'm, like the the Turing machine and the original vacuum tubes, how they took up a whole room and there are these big things compared to the micro transistor, right? Once once exactly. we have that micro transistor analogous move in quantum computing that will be the 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 bend in the exponential curve that makes it look like an l exactly it will be over it will be absolutely over and again you know it's not it's not like the original computer was necessarily because we already have computers if you link this up to a computer this quantum computing structure to a computer and they work together it's it's a jump start so any any improvement is made even that much more ridiculous mm. I, I just i don't know what that means like i said i'm not you know i'm not well versed in quantum computing in general but the fact that it's additional computing in a way that was not previously underscored like known <laughs> to, <laughs> to be understood again like quantum computing answers um equations that we that we call impossible because it's not it's not it would take too long to solve them and now like they're solvable mm. that that's that's wild like once you get to that step where you solved it what comes after that mm-hmm. what comes after the fact that you do that what are the next unsolvable questions and how do exactly you i was i was just actually just about to say that we know what comes on the other side of of answers it's more questions mm-hmm. and that's always the case exactly that gap the gap between what the what the future <laughs> unanswerable questions mm-hmm. are is is insane to think about and and we already you know just by talking about the one thing about uh creating artificial organic life like that that, that's alone a a step that is that's literally if you go back 30 years somebody says playing god and that and that's oh yeah i think a lot of people still do Uh, yeah yeah. i like to i like to consider myself provocative in that i'm excited about creating synthetic biological life um, there probably aren't, there's probably a good number of us where I'm not provocative in my own circles, but I think maybe globally we're, we're kind of a minority people go, Oh yeah. Experiment, you know, build, build a little, build a little bug, make, <laughs> make, a, make a little bug that does what you wanted to do. And people say, Oh, you're going to blow us all up. You're going to kill us all. You're going to make a Corona. What I, I didn't say make a virus, literally an insect, make a little tiny little insect, come up with your own type of insect that can do some sort of weird stuff and just make it. Exactly. That Just can't that can't go wrong, right? Giving people the ability to make life in their bedrooms. There's nothing that could go wrong with that. Oh, of course. No, not. that's fine. <laughs> but still, I w- that's the future I want. I-, I would rather I would rather go down that road and have a dystopia of people going wild with technology as opposed to having a dystopia of political drama. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. well, I- True. On the on the road to people doing things with bio that they shouldn't be doing there's a whole lot of prosperity maybe we're even interplanetary maybe we've got people living in space permanently who knows but on the path we're on now we're going to nuke each other it's freaking dumb (laughs) exactly to be stifled by that like when when we're on the precipice of the most outrageous changes that anybody could possibly imagine but um and you said vr yeah and so vr being the the most uh, exciting and so in the same kind of way that we we're talking about quantum computing you know vr has been around but it was never you couldn't take it seriously because it was it's just, it just wasn't ready yet the, mm. the the component technologies were not ready in the in the past so you know the best you could do is go to an arcade and you'd have to have an arcade to, to house the thing you have to have all this room and the 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 graphics were rudimentary the the 
mechanical parts were rudimentary. They just they weren't up to par. But now, um, again, going back in time to Futurology, I still remember when the Oculus Rift was um, was first coming into into practice. Like like they were talking about, it and they were like, "Look, we we love VR. We've we've been talking about VR. We've loved it ever since we were kids." And we were asking ourselves, "Why can't we do it better?" We have smartphones. We have all this stuff. Technology is there. Nobody put it together. Let's do this. And once they did, the effect the effect became a meme. You know, like. Uh, you, we all think we're all humans and we're like, I know the difference between reality and whatever. And you, you look back to the stupid, um, to the first movies when you have this crowded movie house and the train is coming and people are running out of the way, jumping, screaming, because, like, oh my God, a train is going to hit me. This this absolutely real train is going mm, to hit me. Mm, mm. That has happened again. It has happened again with virtual reality where people are so, so engrossed and immersed in the in the environment that they're doing and the the thing is it's still not like the greatest that it could be it's not as it's not as great it's only one tactile sense of 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 vision it's all encompassing vision but it's it's enough to confuse people to scare them you know i remember a video of a person that was walking on a on a beam of wood that somebody put on the floor but in the in the virtual reality glasses it it was like you're walking between a skyscraper Mm -hmm. the person lost their balance and they literally feared for their life they started screaming Mm -hmm. like oh my god i'm gonna die but they were an inch off the ground if you can do something like that with that the the possibilities of what's going to happen and especially for us you know we're gamers we we know what being immersed in a world is and we use our imagination to do it you know we're looking at two-dimensional screens um at three to three-dimensional renderings and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and we get immersed because we're able to fill in the gaps our brain has to do less work to fill in the gaps when you're going through a vr environment and as things get better as they find out ways to to make that more immersive whether it be because you could move around in a field and feel like it's infinite so that like you know like instead of having a just a a vr system you have like a vr room and the room constantly adapts in whatever so that way you feel like you're doing whatever you're doing so that the um what's that thing from star trek i can't remember i don't don't want uh i don't know they have a room that's exactly like this, where you go into it and it's just a simulation. Room oh, wow. you can You can do anything because anything that you can think of. And usually what they do is they just go back in time to some place. I still remember I, I caught when I was channel surfing that it was Star Trek, but they went back to like the 1930s or 20s. And it was weird. It was weird. But the whole point is we're approaching Matrix level technology. Mm-hmm. Um to, to, to put it in a movie sense, but like we're, we're basically in, we're getting to a point where we are going to be able to simulate real life. And as much as a milestone as that is, that's not actually the thing that matters to me because it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. What happens when you start to simulate not real life? when you decide that you want to make something that's not based in reality. And the reason that's so cool is because that's what games do all of the time mm-hmm. anyway. That's the whole reason we love doing it. It's a form of escapism, but it's also our in, it's our ability to interact with something that doesn't that doesn't exist in the real world. Now you're able to go into it. So like, you know, like one of the dreams that people always have, a literal dream, they dream about like flying or something like that. Imagine having a virtual reality so real that you're literally flying and it feels like you're flying and you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> it, it it's happening. I've as actually as you- imagined a religion around this type of thinking. So the religion is called uh, digitalism. And so I imagine a future in which there will be 
digitalist and these will be people who believe that the best use of human attention is in the digital VR space and that every moment you spend outside of that space is essentially a waste. And so they live in these contacts or goggles that are kind of AR at a touch. That way they can eat and poop. And but then they go back to VR as soon as they can. Exactly. And so even even their AR, even the even when they're eating and pooping, their room is still full of weird monsters and screens and, and weird sculptures. And so the room that they're in is not the room that you're in with them, not by a stretch. And that's when they're in reality, because <laughs> when they go into VR, they have to shut a door so that nobody can touch them because they aren't sensing anything in that room because they're gone. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole group of them and they move around their their digitalists and they argue with people about <laughs> living in the world and they they tell everybody that they're wasting their time that's they're, and they're considered snotty by everyone because they're always talking about how much other people are wasting their time meanwhile they're fighting as as they're fighting battles but actually so there's there's a critique though uh of these people the digitalists because they have developer overlords and they don't like to really give they don't really like to pay attention to that that they're at the whim of the developer so every digitalist that doesn't have developer chops is just a sheep it's just someone being moved around by the developers it's true yeah yeah i've told you that idea a bit and that's the saddest thing well i guess it's not it's not sad it's just um it shows the state of where it, it shows how critical the next steps are going to be you know like 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 you said it's the developer and that's true for everything somebody has to develop these technologies Mm. and um that first mover problem becomes really really significant in all of these things because it's really how it gets used first will define the way that it gets used forever and if it's done by somebody that's not you know doesn't have the best intent intentions is a bad actor Mm. is intentionally trying to make some kind of um, situation happen it could become problematic um because again i we've already proven to ourselves that we'll fall for it that that's kind of the scariest thing a lot of things start with the best intentions google literally has a motto like do not be evil Mm -hmm. uh, written into their their corporate ethos however uh google is also you know secretly manipulating ads to come into our view that we don't know about and we're not sure about and to the point that we're sitting here talking about how we have to struggle to remember to have our own autonomy and also just on google their business model is more extractive than traditional capitalist business models so when a shoe manufacturer pays you to hammer the heels onto the shoes he's paying you a little bit less than the value that you're bringing to the shoe manufacturer that's how business works we we argued that earlier but google says oh you can use the services for free and you go oh really free like yeah use it for free and then they sell all of your behavior so you don't even get an exchange at least with the shoe manufacturer you're getting something back Google says, oh, you're using the app? Great. And they go away with all your all your data and they get all the money for it. You go, Aren't you happy using the app? And now we I mean, we need a Google competitor bad. <laughs> Somebody else, please, please come in here. Jeez Louise. No, they're just ex- purely extractive. And so they say, don't be evil. Meanwhile, they're making all the money on all, all, all of our data. Exactly. Exactly. And it's 
the saddest thing is that what we're learning, you know, through this, through social media, through everything is that it's really easy to control that also. So it's not even just the fact that they're collecting the data, which is bad enough. Um, they can manipulate you so that you, you, you are exposed to the data points that the highest bidder wants you to be exposed to. Mm. And it also changes your thinking over time slowly so that you can be convinced to use whatever in the first place mm -hmm. through things like, you know, um, like the like button hitting your dopamine receptors so that you, you constantly seek it and you feel like that's what you want, even though that's not something that you should ever actually truly care about, but people do. And if you extrapolate that exact concept into something like VR, where we're, uh, you, we, we touched on it, like you're vulnerable in that state. You're, you're literally disconnecting from the actual reality to be in a virtual one. And you you will lose a sense i mean if you can be convinced that you're flying you can be convinced of a lot of things and depending mm. on what the narrative is like if a if a if a really great storyteller wanted to tell a story through the medium of gaming and vr um you know so something like a blockbuster experience and it becomes this 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 huge thing that changes people's minds and everything it, it could be considered to be a great thing but if mm. it's propaganda the state-led um for a bad actor or something mm. you you might go into it and never even realize it and then you've just wow. easily corrupted a bunch of people and it, it can happen at the drop of a hat whoever the developer is makes that rule even even let even more than could happen i think it certainly will happen because it, it happens in our society as it is now so why wouldn't why won't it happen in the next digital society there's human nature is not going to change right and so I, I as we're as we're designing societies for our great great grandchildren we ha we should it's most responsible to design them in the full light of human nature as best we can think about it because human nature is not going to change right um in the world that they're going to live in they're still going to be greedy people evil people people who just want to manipulate and there's and the, and those people are still going to be the minority uh, there's still going to be people that want to work hard, do well and contribute and be honest. And those people are still going to be the majority uh, and everyone in between. Right. And so we have to think about those things when we think about the incredible power that these technologies are giving us and, and increasingly handing us exponentially. Absolutely. And that's that's going to be the biggest thing. So on top of all of these things, like uh, th those are what I'm excited for. But that's also on the flip side, exactly what I'm worried about. How do you make sure that these things get done? Usually it's through legislation, through politics, through government. But, um, you know, like we just came out of a time where legislation and government couldn't be trusted because it was insane. It was mm. just literally insane. The the people that were established, you couldn't trust them for anything. They were it was literally it was more of a um, it wasn't even a revolving door. It was a, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, like a black hole. Some of these offices couldn't be filled for, for, for time at all, which literally just translates to legislation is not being made. Mm. People cannot pay attention. And mm. um, the reason why this is such a problem to me is because of the big, 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 big elephant in the room of climate change, which I, I'm now actually amazed that we haven't uh, talked about too much. But <laughs> it's like we haven't been able for four years we not only were not able to address it to plan for it to make things that you know would make the make sense of the fact that this is actually happening we have we had leaders that denied that it's a that it exists which again gets us back to this whole um politics thing like we, uh, this is an existential crisis we know it's happening scientists everywhere who are the the ultimate authority on this because they're the people that 
that study it, people that, that actually care about it more than anybody else, besides somebody going outside and like, oh, it's hotter this July than it usually is. Like, they're the people you trust. They're the people you believe. And we couldn't even get in this crucial moment, in these, in these few years that we have left before the, you know, we get past the two degrees Celsius increase and we will never, ever be the same. And every, every single terrible thing that's going to happen with regards to the climate is going to happen. We didn't get a chance to prepare, do anything, or even try to stop it because we had insane people in office. So if that's what happened with that, and it's the scariest thing ever, and even when government is working correctly and somewhat well, you still are rolling the dice to hope that things are going to go the way that they need to. What's going to happen with this shit? Like, how are we going to, how are we going to rein in an AI to be the best good for all people to raise up all people and be fair when, you know, technically one person is going to make it and how do we make sure that it's not a, a business so that it's just maximizing their capital and not anybody else's. How do we make sure that VR is going to be something that's not used to control masses to force them to have experiences that um, do crazy things or um, you know, even better yet, I don't know. I don't know if you watch Black Mirror, but there's an episode called White oh, Christmas yeah. where they use. Um, the, that was one of the scariest things I'd ever seen. That particular episode, because um, the the virtual reality was so significant that it was able to control the sense of time to the person that was in it. Mm. So even though you know, like seconds pass in the real world, it's like years in the virtual realm. And if you're if you're not ready for that, if you're if you can't control that, imagine the kind of torture that you can inflict on somebody, the kind of the kind of assault that you could put on somebody that's that's like that. Same kind of thing. The same idea happened in Naruto to get an anime about it. Um, Itachi was able to go into somebody's mind and inflict pain on them, a small amount of pain on them for what felt like years, even though it was only like a minute. Mm. <laughs> and, and it's it's a type of psychological terror. But that's that's the kind of thing that can be that can be possible, and it doesn't even have to be a time thing. It could just be in general. If you if you um, if you get somebody and basically clockwork orange them, except instead of keeping their eyes open, you force them to go through a virtual reality. It could be that you know it could be the best rehabilitation tool ever made. It could also be that it could be the most terrorizing, mind controlling thing that's ever been made used by the wrong actors. The, we 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 sit here and talk about you know Guantanamo Bay and waterboarding. This is. 1000 times worse potentially <laughs> well i think i think that we didn't get to climate change and games and vr only because we have so much in common to talk about <laughs> and it's always such a pleasure talking but i feel like we should let the the listeners go it's a very i'm sure they don't pay attention longer than three hours but will you come back and finish this conversation because we have so much more to talk about Anytime, my friend. Anytime. This has been fantastic. It's a great time. Where? What would you like to say uh, to, let's say, there's a listener who's in their young 20s and they just entered the political scene. They don't really know heads or tails. What would you say to them? Uh, I'll, I'll just say my guiding principle. You got to question everything. Uh, you got to you got to question everything and think critically. Just because something's presented to you, just because something seems believable, it doesn't matter where it comes from. And if you're 20 right now, uh, you know that better than I do, probably. Things are not always what they seem, no matter what source it comes through. So question everything, verify or trust, but verify if you have to and be, you know, make sure that whatever happens to you is something that you understand and can try to at least understand because otherwise you're, you'll become a sheep and you're lost. I think that's very well said. Thank you. <laughs> that's my. That's like I said. That's my guiding principle. So if somebody else can take that, then uh, you'll you'll have a whole. Uh, you're doing. Of, you're uh, doing us all a service, Justin. I really mean that. 
no uh and likewise my friend uh, you're you're the you're the person that set this all up so thank you again we'll Super talk excited. again we will talk again soon absolutely my friend yeah absolutely all right thanks for coming by thank you no problem Kari. take it easy you too